You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Welcome, Star Wars fans. This is Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on the status of Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, as well as Star Wars Episode 8, Star Wars Rogue One, Star Wars Battlefront, those pesky rebels, and everything else going on in the Star Wars universe. We've been expecting you. And we're so glad you could join us as we execute episode 66. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and joining me is my co-host, Tim. Tim, what's up? Yes, sir. Good podcasters follow orders. Good podcasters follow orders. (laughs) And it's podcast 66. I I didn't take my chip out, so I must do what you say. (laughs) But other than that, I'm doing great. (laughs) Regardless of... Having that Order 66 chip in my head, I'm still excited to be talking about tons and tons of great Star Wars news, not just with Force Awakens, but uh, we'll get to it in the episode, but there's just so much stuff. Yeah, it's been, uh, oh, I'm back to my normal voice now, this sounds kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been like a month since our last episode, because the news has been a little slow lately, but of course... You know, when it feels like it's going slow and we don't record for a while, then we get to when we finally do record and it's like, oh, crap, there's kind of been a lot of stuff. Um, But also we wanted to record, you know, almost a week ago and it has just been the mother of all busy and stressful work weeks for me. So we had to delay the recording a couple of times, but we're finally here. We're back. I've been wanting to do that Emperor Palpatine intro to episode 66 for a long time now. So I'm glad we made it this far. Um, And and we are now like two and a half months away from The Force Awakens. It is super exciting. Um, We're still waiting on that darn next trailer, but hopefully that's coming soon. Um, But yeah, let's uh, go ahead and jump into some of the news and rumors here. Before we go into that, Kyle, now that we're back, you're back as Kyle. I just got to give you mad props for that intro. (laughs) Oh, well, thank (laughs) you very much. Awesome, Palpatine. I mean, if you're really Emperor Palpatine and you could see me on the other line with a big smile on my face... He probably would have executed me for showing lack of uh, respect for the Grand Emperor. But... You do not smile at the voice of Palpatine. Uh, 
That's what makes it good that we're podcasting on Skype without the video, just audio. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I don't have to execute oh, my stormtroopers. Um, yeah, who knows? Maybe I'll uh, pop that back in throughout the episode to comment on different things. We'll see. <laughs> see, you, the real challenge would be to do it the whole episode with that Emperor Palpatine voice. Yeah, know how long think... episodes can be. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think my voice might have given out after like half an hour or something. Yeah. <laughs> It's not a really hard voice to do, but it does grate on your throat a little bit. It would probably end up sounding like that normally without you. (laughs) Going to work on Monday, just, I'm here. What do we need to do today? (laughs) You got to be wearing like a black hoodie or something. (laughs) (laughs) Just fully embrace your inner Palpatine. Yes, give in to the dark side. (laughs) Uh, That's great. So let's get to the first news story of the day. Sir, yes, sir. Um, so, yeah, we've got a new interview with Kathleen Kennedy with uh, the Costco connection of all places. I know. Um, and nothing too new here, but she did uh, reiterate um, just talking about the future Star Wars movies. And uh, she kind of separates the saga films and the anthology films. Um, which, you know, we know they're calling them a Star Wars story, but she still refers to them as the anthology films here, which gives me hope that they'll maybe keep that name. <laughs> I was thought um, the same thing. It's like, yes, she's still referring to them as that, so maybe it will change, or I don't know, they're just going to refer to them as the anthology, but it will say a Star Wars story on the title, so I don't yeah. know. But. Well, I, I guess I would be more okay with that, actually, because my biggest gripe with a Star Wars story as the title on there is just that it's hard to refer to the films as a group with that title. Um, Cause you can't just call them Star Wars stories because Clone Wars is a Star They're Wars story. Stories. A new hope <laughs> is a Star Wars story. The force unleashed is a Star Wars story. Um, and you know, you, you can, it, it just rolls off the tongue easier to walk up to a fellow Star Wars fan and say, Hey, have you seen all of the anthology films as opposed to, have you seen all of the, a Star Wars story films. Exactly. Like, it's just awkward. So if they're going to keep, you know, that subtitle on each individual film that just says, you know, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, but, you know, outside of that, we just refer to them, the, the larger collection of them as the anthology films, like, that works for me. As of right now, that's what I'm still referring them to just because that's what I've gotten used to and it sounds a lot better, so. Same here. Um, anyway, getting back to the uh, the original takeaway of the article, she says that the saga films focus on the Skywalker family saga. Um, that's what's been you know sort of emphasized in a lot of the articles and stuff that have been uh, talking about this interview over the past few days. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, just sort of adding more fuel to the fire and the rumor of you know is someone in episode seven most likely ray or possibly you know kylo or finn or somebody like that are they related to uh you know the skywalker lineage um of course i'm still standing by the ray theory kylo will see finn probably not but um you know definitely exciting to see um and you know i I think it it makes perfect sense because that was you know a huge theme throughout the first two trilogies sort of that whole family connection so um, yeah, I think that's something that's going to continue throughout this new trilogy. And uh, I mean, because they're sort of talking about the future of Star Wars here, I think a lot of people, um, or at least some articles that I've seen are sort of insinuating like, oh, could we see a new Skywalker in episode eight or nine? But I'm like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure one of the new characters that we already know about for episode seven is going to end up being a Skywalker. Yeah, totally. And 
like you said, this was something that I think most fans were assuming. I know you and me were definitely aware that some new character in this is going to be related to the Skywalker family line. And But we've never heard anything officially said about that. And because of how secretive everyone's been, and then even heard some speculation from fans saying, oh, what if it's a brand new set of characters and they have nothing to do with the Skywalker family? We really couldn't say... Like definitively, no, that's not going to be the case because Kathleen Kennedy said this or J.J. Abrams said that. Like they've said nothing about that until now. So I think it was finally great for me anyway to hear that officially come from Kathleen Kennedy. The fact that she said the saga films focus on the Skywalker family and it's a narrative that connects to the previous six films. So, yeah, the fact that she said Skywalker, I mean, I'll go into this more in another story we're going to talk about later on, but... It still just makes you think, who is going to be that character? Ray, like we assume, Kylo Ren and all that. But yeah, I got some thoughts on Ray, which I'll share later on. But it's, that's going to tie into this, what Kathleen Kennedy say, said here in the story. So yeah, it's definitely cool to finally hear it. And another thing she said in here, too, was kind of going back to the involvement of George Lucas. And you know how going back to previous episodes where we talked about how, how much of his stories left. Did they change all of it? Or are they still taking his early draft treatments for it and all that stuff. But it was just kind of good to hear that Kathleen Kennedy said in this interview, how she just pretty much picked at George's brain for like six months and saying that he was at his, uh, Lucas was at Kathleen Kennedy's beck and call whenever she needed him and just like really got in his head and spent as much time as she could just asking him questions and just really understanding like the fundamentals of star Wars and what it, what George Lucas brought to it and what that story he created, um, this unfolds the way kind of that he wanted to, where I think it's still going to affect the story of episode seven. And those who think that Lucas's story is totally different and changed, I think that's not the case just because if Kathleen Kennedy spent that much time with him and got immersed with his, how star Wars works for Luke by Lucas, that whatever story that JJ Abrams, the Lawrence Kasdan came up and she was looking at the script, because I'm sure she had some input into that too. So it still makes me think that, Force Awakens definitely have George Lucas influence and story beats in there. So I thought that was pretty cool to read also. And like you said, coming from Costco, is kind of surprising to get some, I don't know, major like breaking stories, but just good like confirmation of stuff that I thought was cool to hear. So definitely a surprising story, but one that was definitely a cool read. Yeah, definitely cool to read. Um, some other stuff that was cool to read, uh, we've got some new, um, kind of interesting rumors about some characters and stuff in episode seven. Um, and I don't know, this seems like the kind of stuff that we haven't really had much of over the past couple of months. Yeah. Um, since we've started getting, you know, trailers and posters and stuff like that, it seems like there hasn't been quite as much speculation about character backstories and all that sort of thing. So, uh, some of this might get a little spoilerish for those who are trying to, um, you know, completely stay away from, uh, you know, all this type of information. But like I said, a lot of this relates to character backstories. Um, so I figure, you know, some of it is stuff that we might find out before the movie comes out anyway through toys or books or whatever. Um, and for me, I mean, it's kind of stuff that I like to know going into the movie. Um, but just a little bit of a spoiler warning here. Um, but we've got one article from Cine Links where they're talking about uh, the background of Finn um, and, you know, we've heard for a long time that, uh, you know, with Finn and Ray, because we don't know their last names, um, that possibly, you know, one or both of them could be related to some other major character from the, the previous uh, saga that, you know, we don't know about yet. And that's supposed to be some big reveal. 
Um, well, they say they're saying here in this article that that's actually not the case with Finn, um, and that the reason he doesn't have a last name is because the First Order is similar to the Empire in the fact that they um, just try to enforce like uniformity and don't really encourage individuality, anything like that. So they just refer to people by. Uh, you know, their operating numbers or code names or things like that and don't really, um, you know, value names or, or uniqueness or anything like that. So Finn doesn't actually have a name, it sounds like. It, it, I mean, it basically sounds like Finn um, is just sort of a name that's derived from his number, which is FN2187. Um, and, and I'm not sure if they're getting that, like, from their sources here or if they're just uh, assuming that based on the fact that both the Captain Phasma and Finn... Uh, talking action figures that we heard some dialogue lines from that we talked about on our last episode that both of them make reference to an FN2187, um, which at the time I assumed was like coordinates or a code number or something like that. But if that turns out to be uh, Finn's number and essentially his real name um, as part of the First Order, I think that's kind of cool and kind of a, a neat little twist um, and, you know, something that we haven't really seen before with a major character in the saga. That's kind of, um, I mean, it kind of harkens back to like the Clone Wars and some of those clone arcs where, uh, you know, General Krell would, you know, refer to them by their operating numbers and, mm. you know, Captain Rex would be like, hey, my name's Rex. It's not just CT, whatever the number is. I'm sure, Tim, you might actually remember that, but um, <laughs> I don't remember all those specific numbers, but um yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of cool to see that pop up again. And I guess a little bit surprising that um, the First Order would maybe still be doing that since we've heard rumors that, you know, some of them might be aliens or uh, that, you know, there might be like female stormtroopers. Well, we know there's female stormtroopers because of Captain Phasma. Um, and that's something we didn't see with the First Galactic Empire. But to see that, you know, even though they're maybe embracing more diversity with genders or species or whatever, that they're still sort of like, OK, you're all part of the First Order now. You all wear the plain white armor. We don't care what your name is. You're number this. Get out there and shoot people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And by the way, Captain Rex is CT7567. So. Yeah, there you go. See, <laughs> not quite close to the number as Finn, but. There's a yeah. seven in there. I know CT five 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 five. That one's pretty obvious. But, but yeah, going back to the rumor, I mean, we're all wondering like Finn's last name is it going to be related to one of like you said another character I'm familiar with, Lando or Zara Leonis and all that stuff. But if this is actually the case, I I'd be fine with it because we've heard that talk before where we don't want the galaxy to be like so small where everyone's related to somebody. Mm-hmm. Let's have it be an expanded universe where new characters who aren't related to, to all everyone's related to each other. So if this is the case, I think it'd be a pretty cool reason why Finn doesn't have a last name in there, but. It does raise the question, though. I mean, he does have to have a last name or a real name somewhere, or maybe like there's more to his backstory that we don't know yet as far as how he got into the ranks of the First Order. I mean, maybe someone who came in there with amnesia or that there's like some brainwashing type thing where it becomes a whole new personality that the First Order does with maybe certain uh, troops. So I don't know, tons of questions that can be raised with it, but... I think it's pretty cool, and the number 2187 actually has some significance to A New Hope, too, because it's kind of like not as the big number in Star Wars like 1138 is, but I was listening to an episode of Rebel Force Radio a few weeks ago where they had someone on who kind of explains the significance of that, where in A New Hope, Han Solo actually says it when he tells Luke uh, what cell Princess Leia is, is in. It's at the cell 28 or 2187, but I found out that that's actually... 
a movie that Lucas loved when he was in film school, a movie called 2187. I believe that's the name of it. There might be like another part of it, but 2187 is in the title of that movie. So that's why Lucas put it in A New Hope. And I guess JJ thought it'd be kind of a cool nod to that, to have it be maybe the new 1138 in this trilogy or something. So that's, that was pretty cool with the significance of that specific number. And, but also what was pretty cool in this story with Finn is some other interesting details that I kind of hope is true and will pan out where um, Finn actually might be a protege, sort of speak, of Captain Phasma and might kind of be the reason why Captain Phasma gets involved in the movie where Finn betrays the First Order, goes out on Jakku and want to go find him. You would think if he's maybe highly regarded as maybe the, one of the best troopers in the First Order and Captain Phasma takes him under her wing to train him to maybe... Uh, following her first uh, footsteps and make him as good a soldier as we're all expecting her to be when we see the movie. So, and if he betrays the first order, he goes out. You would definitely believe that she would want to be the one to go find him and either get him back or make him pay for leaving the first order. So, if that the story of their relationship, I think it would be pretty cool. Also, so almost everything in this rumor uh, story from Cinelinks, I'm kind of hoping ends up being true because I think it all sounds really cool. Yeah, well, I mean, the the whole Captain Phasma connection sounds cool, but the one other big thing in here um, that they give an explanation for is, uh, I mean, the the shot that we see in that little teaser of Finn using the lightsaber. Um, and, you know, of course, we're not the only ones who believe that, uh, you know, just because Finn is using a lightsaber doesn't necessarily mean he's a Jedi. Um, and they're saying in this article that, um, actually the fact that he can use a lightsaber is due to the first order training their stormtroopers to use, uh, lightsabers and shields, um, basically, which is like a, a callback to, uh, Ralph McQuarrie's original concept for stormtroopers where they all had lightsabers and shields. Um, and they're saying that, uh, you know, this doesn't mean that all the stormtroopers in the first order in the movie are going to have lightsabers, but that they all at least have some training with them at some point. Um, and of course, these are all rumors, so we don't know if necessarily he will have been trained to use a lightsaber. But I, I think you know, regardless, I think we have to assume he's at least been trained in some sort of melee weapons training, um, you know, to be able to pick up this Jedi weapon and at least feel like, you know, feel comfortable enough to turn it on and use it against somebody in a fight, even if he's not, uh, you know, an expert with it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty cool that, um, that they're sort of referencing that, uh, that original concept and having stormtroopers train like that because they know, um, I mean, that, that's pretty smart on the first orders part, knowing that Luke is still out there and knowing that now that Palpatine and the empire are gone, that there might be new Jedi Knights cropping up. Um, and so, I mean, on the one hand, it's kind of cool to imagine an army of stormtroopers running around with lightsabers at the same time. I don't really want to see that because it would kind of, you know, lessen the impact. Like a, a lightsaber is a special thing. You know, when you see that, you know, like, oh, this is a Jedi or a Sith, like, you know, a, a powerful force user. Or if it's somebody like Pre Vizsla, you know, like, oh, okay, this guy's not a Jedi or a Sith, so he must be a pretty awesome warrior to be able to wield the lightsaber. So you don't want to see, like, an army of just normal dudes running around with those. Um, but to at least know that they're sort of prepared to fight against the lightsaber in melee combat, if necessary, um, is pretty cool. And, you know, already kind of gives them a, a step up on the previous iterations of Stormtroopers that we've seen. 
Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a pretty cool rumor as well. And I think it could, what I was just talking about before too, if it plays into the Captain Phasma Finn relationship where, like you were saying, not all the first order stormtroopers would have lightsaber training or melee weapon training, but maybe they would save that specifically for their best troops and maybe like a separate battalion that Captain Phasma is in charge of or something where only the best of the best would be trained in a lightsaber or something. And that's where Finn gets it from. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of hoping too, because way back in the early rumors of Captain Phasma and we were just re- referring to her as a chrome stormtrooper that maybe she would have a lightsaber. And we saw that concept art of a lightsaber that's made of a, like a, a wampa tooth or wampa claw is <laughs> one of those, which looked pretty cool. So if that's still the case and maybe they're saving that for like a big secret reveal that Captain Phasma whips out a lightsaber <laughs> sometime in the movie, that would be awesome because I said this before too, how cool it would be if we see someone in the Stormtrooper or the new First Order armor with a lightsaber. I think visually that would just look cool, especially with Captain Phasma with how awesome she looks already, that she whips out a lightsaber. Oh, man, I might pass out in the theater. (laughs) Yeah, well, and the other thing, too, it's like even if Finn has lightsaber training or melee weapons training, we would kind of assume he's still not really going to be able to stand up to Kylo Ren. Um, I mean, he seems pretty intimidating as the main villain of the film. And we're assuming that he's very skilled in using that, uh, that crossblade broadsword mm-hmm. lightsaber that he's got. But, uh, you know, to see Finn, uh, like now I want to see a one-on-one lightsaber duel with Finn versus Captain Phasma. Like if they're both trained in lightsaber usage and, you know, they, they don't have the force, but, having that skill set plus whatever, you know, other like weapons and uh, armor training and stuff that they've yeah. got, um, you know, it would kind of be like the, the Darth Maul versus pre Vizsla duel in the clone wars only with both uh, combatants having pre Vizsla's kind of uh, arsenal and skill set and everything like that. So that could be pretty awesome to see. Yeah. It'd be different too. <laughs> like two non force sensitive people, having a lightsaber battle. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It may not be as flashy as you would see for sensitive people do, but it could still make for an awesome fight. Like we saw in the clone wars episode that you just mentioned with pre Vizsla and Darth Maul. Right. Well, and that's why I'm saying like, it might not be as fast paced and with as much like flipping and jumping and force pushing and all that, but you could substitute that for blasters and grenades and shields and all that other kind of stuff. So it could be a fun way to kind of shake things up. Yeah, <laughs> pretty like I said, pretty much everything in that story I hope pans out because it all sounds really awesome. Yeah, so put that down on my wish list for maybe episode eight, um, just because it doesn't seem like that. I, I don't know. Maybe we could see it in episodes. I mean, we still don't know much about the movie at this point, but we would yeah. assume that you know the fight between uh, Finn and Kylo Ren and possibly. Ray getting entangled in there at some point as well mm-hmm. um, is probably going to be part of like the big climax of the movie. But um, yeah, I would definitely like to see a showdown between Finn and Phasma, especially if this rumor pans out about, uh, you know, her being his old CEO and, you know, sort of taking it personally when he deserts the first order and all that. Yeah. That's be some resolution to that story aspect with those two. And I just hope it means that Captain Phasma survived into episode eight so maybe it won't get resolved in episode seven but it carries on to the other two movies yeah well even if she doesn't survive though like i'd rather see finn take her out in a lightsaber duel than see her just get taken out in a firefight or something like that yeah that's a good point too yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. if she's gonna go she has to go out with style please (laughs) oh definitely yeah i I don't think it's gonna be a repeat of the sarlacc pit yes please (laughs) (laughs) that punk boba fett 
why did we even hire him in the first place? <laughs> hey, he did the job for the Empire. He just stuck around with Jabba the Hutt too long. <laughs> that is true. Well, he didn't really do the job. I mean, he kept, well, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't like him anyways. <laughs> well, you don't have to worry about hiring him again. No, we don't. Unless he got out. We will find out, I think, eventually in some anthology movies, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I sure hope so. I mean, obviously, that's going to be answered somewhere down the line. Or Rebels, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm still definitely hoping we see Boba Fett in Rebels. I don't think Rebels oh, is yeah. going to go long enough that we find out what happened to Boba Fett after Episode 6. Well, obviously, yeah. <laughs> scratch that from what I just said, yes. <laughs> yes, scratch that. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm going to be punished. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Now we've also got some episode or some uh, rumors about Ray. Um, and these next couple articles um, going to be talking about from making Star Wars. Um, you know, of course, they've got a pretty good track record with a lot of these rumors and stuff. Um, again, kind of spoilerish, but, you know, not too much. Um, and... You know, it's mostly going to be uh, just, you know, backstory type stuff and not really talking about anything that happens in the movie. But um, so just some some tidbits they've got about on or got about Ray on here. Uh, they say Ray is a pseudonym used by the hero in Star Wars The Force Awakens, so not her actual name. I don't think any of us are surprised by that, um, which again brings up the old name. Like, is it is her real name going to be Kira Solo? Is it going to be Ray Solo and she's just kind of dropped the solo or is it something completely different? I don't know. Um, it's funny cause I had gotten really used to that Kira solo name and then Ray came along and I've kind of gotten used to Ray by now, but I know that it still might end up being something different. Um, but yeah, that's like still, still something I'm definitely excited to, to finally get revealed when we see the movie. We're going to get used to Ray for episode seven, but then if she wants to go by her real name by the end of it and then episode eight and nine, she's going to go by Kira. We'll have to get used to that all over again <laughs> after we see the movie. Yeah. Well, you know, it'll be like people who refer to Padme as Princess Amidala because they're so used to the female hero in Star Wars being Princess Leia. Uh, that's true. And I'm like, eh, I just kind of let it slide. At least you can pronounce Amidala. Yeah, <laughs> as long as you get one of the names in there, right? Yeah. Um, it also says uh, she was dropped off on Jakku by her parents. Um, she doesn't leave Jakku because she's waiting for her parents to return, and should she leave, they may never find her. Um, and her life on Jakku, living inside an ATAT turned home, makes li- makes Luke's life on Tatooine look suburban and luxurious. Um, I don't know. I think living in an ATAT is better than living in the <laughs> moisture farm. Home yeah, but you don't have Aunt Beru there to give you blue milk. True. I just meant for like your living quarters and spaces. I think that ATAT would be pretty cool to live in. Than where well, yeah. I mean, for those of us who are fans and have seen the Battle of Hoth, it's like I'd want to live in one of those. <laughs> But, you know, it's from a it's it's a junk heap from a battle 30 years earlier. Probably doesn't have air conditioning or anything like that. <laughs> That's true. But you can probably get more use out of it. Yeah. I mean, I'd want to camp out in it for like a week. I don't know if I'd want to live there my whole life. That's a good point. But um, this is the stuff, yeah, going back to what Kathleen Kennedy said about the stories for this sequel trilogy following the Skywalker line. And when I read that and then when I read this story... I kind of did a flip-flop on who I think Ray is because, as you know, as we speculated before, we thought that for sure she's going to be a solo and she's going to be the main character who was going to continue on that Skywalker line. But 
when I read this and then when Kathleen Kennedy said the Skywalker family line, now I'm thinking more towards the line that maybe she is actually Luke's daughter and not the Solos. Because if the stuff in this rumors report pans out to be true where she was dropped off on Jakku by her parents and she's waiting for her parents there. I mean, I mean, of course, we don't know what Han Solo and Princess Leia, everything that went on after Return of the Jedi, but we know so far from what we've heard and not seen Luke anywhere in a lot of the promotional stuff and the trailers, except for that one shot of him touching R2. We're kind of assuming that Luke has been missing and like we've reported on so much that the main thrust of the story is them trying to find Luke. And if that's the case that Luke's been missing, it does make sense that for whatever reason that if he had a daughter, he would drop her off on on Jakku for whatever reason it might be. Hopefully we'll get that story told. But if she doesn't know who her parents are, that would make sense more for Luke than it would Han and Leia since they're still out in the galaxy. And we know Han Solo's going to be probably out of the original three to be have the biggest role in there. So it just makes more sense with Luke if he's hiding. I don't think Han Solo and Princess Leia would drop her off on Jakku and then still be out and about in the galaxy doing whatever they have to do while their daughter is stuck on this desert planet. Like this report says, struggling to survive and making Luke's life on Tatooine look luxurious. So I don't know. I'm doing a flip-flop. I think maybe she might turn out to be a Skywalker, a direct Skywalker than a Solo. So I don't know. What do you think, Kyle? Does that sway you at all? Well, that is a very good point. I haven't really thought about that much. Um, I mean, obviously, I mean, in the past, I've sort of considered that possibility, but still, I, I guess I was still kind of leaning towards her being Han and Leia's daughter. And then I was thinking like, well, you know, maybe something happened within the rebellion or the resistance or whatever. And Han and Leia felt like they needed to, um, you know, drop off their daughter to protect her or something like that. Um, but you're, I think you're right. I think it does kind of make more sense for Luke. Um, again, these are still just rumors at this point, so we don't really know anything for sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess my only problem with that is, you know, would it be sort of a cool recurring theme or would it just be old and redundant and repetitive to have Luke now be, you know, telling his offspring who doesn't know who her father is, like, I am your father when he finally meets her. Um, See, I like, think oh, where have we heard that before? Yeah, I don't think Luke's going to be the one to reveal that to her. I think she's going to find out throughout the movie in some other way. I mean, there's that other rumor uh, report how there's supposed to be a, a scene with Maz Kanata where they're having like a force vision and like a flashback type sequence where maybe that's where she gets the revelation of who her father is. And But man, it still raises a bunch of other questions that I don't think will get revealed in the movie. Like, who would her mother be? Who did Luke have a relationship with? <laughs> and why did he drop her off on Jakku and not maybe leave her with Han or Leia, people that he trusts? I mean, what's the reason behind that? So, Oh, well, I think if that were the case, I think it would definitely be to protect her, sort of for the same reason that Obi-Wan drops Luke off on Tatooine in... Uh, you know, at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Like, why not take him somewhere more yeah, but, luxurious, you know, or leave him with his sister with Bail Organa or take him somewhere else? Um, you know, but because that's the, the Empire's going to be out looking for him. Who on Jakku, I mean, does Luke even leave her with anyone? I mean, did he just leave her alone as a little girl on that planet to ever survive? Like, I don't think he'd do that. Oh, either. no, I'm sure he probably but who would, doesn't. I mean, he's, who would he leave her with other than his closest friends, Han and Leia? I mean, that, yeah, just <laughs> raises more questions, but... Right, but, 
I mean, I think the thing with Luke and Leia, I mean, some people sort of criticize the decision of Obi-Wan to take Luke to Tatooine. They're like, why would you take him back to Vader's homeworld? Like, that's the first place he would look. And I'm like, no, I don't think it is because he has, you know, so much pain there and sort of wants to forget being Anakin Skywalker and just focus on being Darth Vader. Like, he doesn't want to go back to there. Um, And also because, honestly, like, in the prequel trilogy, Owen and Beru were kind of insignificant in the grand scheme of things. And also because Anakin just assumes that Padme, or that the, the, um, well, he doesn't know there were twins anyway, but he thinks that the child died with Padme because he didn't know that she gave birth. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I I think it sort of made sense for, for Obi-Wan to take them there. But with... Luke still being alive and the fact that he's been so active in sort of recent galactic events with, uh, you know, the rebellion and taking down the empire and everything. And the fact that Han and Leia are sort of instrumental to that. And obviously, I mean, we as the viewers and the fans have sort of a narrow view of what's going on in star Wars. You know, we're presented with the, the most important events and the most important characters. We don't know how many people in the galaxy at large know who Luke Skywalker is and know that Leia's his sister and Han's basically his best friend and all that. But you still think that would be kind of an easy connection to make for someone doing their research. So to, to sort of get to the point, like if there's the first order, the Knights of Ren, whoever the bad guys are going to be, who might be hunting Jedi and Luke has a daughter and he's worried that the villains might come after her because they're targeting Jedi or they're trying to get to him and they might use his family against him. Um, he probably is aware that Han and Leia would be pretty easy targets to identify if he were to leave the child with them. So he wants to leave her like somewhere out of the way where people aren't going to, um, you know, go there. And maybe, I mean, maybe that's why he leaves her on a desert planet, but it's, Jakku and not Tatooine because, um, you know, with Luke not necessarily having the dark, troubled past that Anakin had, people might assume that, oh, what if he left her on Tatooine? Maybe he doesn't want to do that. But at the same time, knows like, okay, if I leave her as an orphan on a, uh, you know, a harsh desert world, like people might not think to look for her there, but because I grew up in that environment and, you know, if she really has the force and is part of my bloodline and whatever, I'm sure she can handle this just the way I did. So maybe that's why he takes her to a place that's like Tatooine, but isn't Tatooine. Yeah, those are all good points that you're saying, that it makes sense that they go that way, but man, I'm going to go into the, the Force Awakens Going like I do, like I said, I suspect her maybe now to be more Luke's daughter than Han and Leia's. But going into the movie, I'm going to be okay. What's it going to be? I'm not really 100% sure. So unless mm-hmm. they reveal that in some promotional thing or in a trailer or somewhere down the line before the movie actually comes out, I'm just going to accept what they give me when I see it and not really being tied to one or the other. So it's going to be one of the surprises I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, finding out in this movie when I see it for the first time because. Man, it's going to be interesting to see who she actually is. But I will say, it will be kind of cool if she is being ends up being Luke's daughter to maybe have finally see the father daughter or like the next generation being trained by their parents. Unlike how Luke wasn't trained by Anakin and all that, to have that direct like family heritage of being trained in the Force by your parents, I think would be pretty cool to see. Mm-hmm. And also too, how another thing where we were speculating on how what if. Kylo Ren and Rey were siblings, and they were both children of Han and Leia. 
and how I wanted to see a sibling rivalry. And if it ends up where Ray is Luke's daughter, but Kylo Ren is still maybe Han and Leia's son, and they could still have that family rivalry, rivalry even though they're cousins and not direct siblings, I still think would be pretty cool. So mm-hmm. right now, I'm going to leave it as where <laughs> I'm expecting things to go. Ray is Luke's daughter, Kylo Ren is Han and Leia's daughter, and they're going to have that family conflict. I'm pretty sure Kylo Ren would be Han and Leia's son, but... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm just messing up all over today. Boba Fett (laughs) in Rebels taking place after Return of the Jedi. Kylo Ren is Han and Leia's daughter. (laughs) Uh, At least I got the Grand Emperor to correct me when I make my mistakes. Yes. See, that's the problem. I'm so punished for your errors. I'm so nervous that you're hosting the podcast that I'm just making so many mistakes. Yes, well, stop being nervous. Force <laughs> lightning can't travel through the internet. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But you could force choke me still. <laughs> I could do that. But don't focus on that because it'll make you nervous and you'll mess up and then I'll have to force choke you. <laughs> and then you'll be left without a co-host for the rest of the episode. Exactly. So don't mess up. Okay, so I feel better now. I don't have to be worried. Because you don't want to... Co- host a podcast all by yourself for the next three hours <laughs> no although i suppose if i didn't have a co-host and had this whole episode to myself i would have unlimited power <laughs> and we don't want that well it is always fun to shock people and throw them out of a window but <laughs> i suppose we should get back to the task at hand <laughs> yes sir let's do it um so, yeah, where were we? <laughs> I was <laughs> going to move gonna on to be... the next rumor, but I kind of wanted to, to mention something about what you were to say. See, it's um, going to be fun about the podcast where people aren't going to know when is Emperor Palpatine going to pop up. He could pop up anytime. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, yeah, just, I mean, just talking about that whole uh, family connection uh, between Ray and uh, and Kylo Ren. But also, I mean, you were wondering, like, um, if Ray was dropped off on Jakku by her parents, you know, why would it be Han and Leia? Why would they need to drop her off there? Um, and then I was just thinking, I mean, kind of the same stuff I was just speculating about with Luke. Like if there is, you know, a new villain or a group of villains out there that are hunting Jedi um, and Luke would want to hide her somewhere so that they couldn't get to her or, uh, you know, track her down because of him, something like that. I mean, it could be the same situation with Han and Leia. If they have a kid and, uh, you know, maybe she gets to be a few years old and starts demonstrating force powers. And then around the same time, Luke discovers that there's n- there's a new threat out in the galaxy that wants to slay all the Jedi and starts coming after him. Um, he might be like, hey, guys, that little girl that you've got, uh, she might be in danger. So you might need to send her away for a while so that they can't, uh, you know, sort of trace the connection between her and me and Leia and go after her and try to do bad stuff. So. Um, but either way we are, you know, sort of still assuming that she's tied to the Skywalker lineage in in some way. And that, uh, that I would assume would play into, uh, somehow, you know, some of the reasons for why, uh, she's had, she's been had to, uh, or for why her parents have had to send her to this, um, you know, backwater desert planet. Yeah. Just how long has she been on there? Like what age did she get dropped off there? I mean, because it makes me think it would be young enough, like real young, where she wouldn't remember who her parents are. And that's why she's staying staying there to wait for them to return. But at the same time, would they really leave a little girl, a young little girl on that desert planet just like on her own? I mean, I mean, we don't know. Maybe there is someone in there who 
looks after her and takes care of her, but then she grows up and goes on her own and lives in that AT-AT. So, I don't know. Some cool rumors, but still so many questions on what her role and just her background story is going to be when we actually see the movie. Mm -hmm. Well, and, uh, I mean, we'll move on to the next rumor here, um, which actually deals with Max von Sydow's character, but now I'm thinking, like, maybe he plays into this somehow, too. Um, But, uh, you know, again, this is from Making Star Wars, um, and I'll just kind of skip to the middle of the article here. It says, the rumor going around is that Max von Sydow plays a character named Lor Santeca, a man in possession of information vital to the quest of finding the elusive Luke Skywalker. As an elder of a village on Jakku, Lor Santeca is sought out by the heroic pilot Poe Dameron to find the missing Jedi's whereabouts. Um, so... Um, I mean, that in and of itself sounds kind of interesting, um, you know, that he could be like the one guy on Jakku who knows where Luke is. Um, does he know that because Luke came to him to uh-huh. give him Ray as a child? Um, you know, there there could be some crossover there. He could be the guy who raised her as a young girl. And then when she was old enough, you know, like you said, maybe she you know just went off on her own, wanted to be a scavenger and was like, I don't want to live with this old guy anymore. Look, there's a <laughs> crashed AT-AT over there. That looks cool. I'm going to go live in that thing. Yeah, it does make sense when you say it that way. If he does, in fact, know the whereabouts of Luke or at least some intel to where he could be, it makes sense that he would know that because maybe Luke went there, dropped off Ray, and he took care of her. I mean, if that ends up being true, that's going to lead into more questions. What is it about his character that made Luke trust him to leave his daughter with him. So yeah, man, <laughs> it's like, so part of me thinks, are we going to get all this stuff answered for us in the actual movie? Because I, you know, in star Wars, just looking back on the original trilogy, some stuff was held for like empire and Jedi to get the full scope of things we take for granted. Now, like mm-hmm. Darth Vader being Luke's father, Luke and Leia being brother and sister. I mean, fans had to wait for a while to get all that info. So maybe it'll be the same thing in getting all this information on Ray's history. And, Luke's whereabouts in history post Return of the Jedi. So, kind of preparing myself too, as much as I want to find out, to not expect everything to be answered in The Force Awakens. So, it got, it's got to be something where not to be disappointed when it comes to the movie. Ah, oh, well, I still don't know about that and still don't know about this, but try not to let that affect my enjoyment of the movie for just taking what it is and maybe eventually we'll get those answers. Yeah, well, and I mean, that's part of why I enjoy doing all this speculation and reading all these rumors and stuff at this point. Um, Because sometimes you're like, and do I really want to read this? Do I really want to get spoiled on it when the movie's only a couple months away? But then, you know, sometimes you read like these big, long, detailed articles about characters, potential backstories and things like that. And then, you know, it gets explained briefly through like a couple lines of dialogue in the movie. And you're like, oh, well, I'm kind of glad I read about that because otherwise I might still be a little bit confused about this. Yeah, that's true. And it could be something where they like you said, say a line of dialogue that explains it, but not in full detail. But once we see the movie, then maybe that's, we'll see a bunch of like direct force awakens tie-ins with like new comics and books telling those stories that they didn't go into full detail, but we'll be able to as fans to read about them and get a clearer understanding of it. Cause oh, I kind yeah, of think they're absolutely. holding off a lot of those tie-in books till after they see the movie. Cause we're going to see probably in 2016 tons of comics that take place in that era and other novels that are going to take place. Maybe little bit before during the force awakens time period so i'm expecting an onslaught of those to come out once the movie is come and gone 
Yeah, and I mean, the other thing, too, is J.J. Abrams has talked about already with, like, the editing process and the post-production and everything, um, just sort of trimming the movie down and trying to decide, like, what really needs to be in there, what people really need to know, and what's just sort of fan service or extra information or, and stuff like that. So I do think there will be a lot of this backstory kind of stuff that gets explained through, you know, like you said, tie-in comics and novels and stuff, and, you know, might get a brief mention in the movie, and then we get a fuller explanation of it later. I think case in point, the fact that they're doing a tie-in comic to episode seven that comes out like a week or a month or something before the movie that explains how C-3PO got his red arm says to me that they're probably not going to take the time to explain in the movie why he has a red arm because it's just going to be one of those things where it's 30 years later, people have gotten older, they look different, stuff happens to droids too, you know, they don't age necessarily, but parts rust and fall off and get replaced and whatever, so... Uh, you know, it's 30 years later, sometime during that point, C-3PO got a different colored arm, just let's deal with it and move on, and if you really want the answer to it, here's this comic that explains it, but it's not really essential to the storyline in the movie. Um, and I, like you said, I think there will be, um, you know, similar kind of tie-in materials that do that with maybe certain other plot points from the book, or from the movie. Um, now, obviously I would expect, you know, Ray's backstory to, uh, you know, play a bigger part in the movie, but we still might not get it fully as explained as we would like. So, yeah, it could be something where, like, where we're speculating on if Max von Sydow's character Luke knows him and he trusts him to look after Ray, but why does he trust? So, like, maybe that gets explained. He just tells her, "Your father left you in my hands, and I raised you to look after you." But why was the case? What was his history with Luke? Maybe we'll get that answered in a book or a comic or something where we got the gist of why Luke left her with him because he's a trusted friend or a trusted ally, but we'll get the full detail on why he trusted him later on. Stuff like that. So Yeah. I'm thinking particular instance, but maybe certain situations throughout the movie will get further explained later on. Yeah. And I mean maybe he was a member of the Rebel Alliance and Mm -hmm. after they overthrew the Empire, instead of staying to become part of the New Republic, he said, I'm gonna go back to my home world of Jakku and you know, start a or, family and raise a village and all that. And Luke was like, hey, great. You want to have one more kid while you're at it? <laughs> or he could be someone who fought in the Battle of Jakku and just stayed there for whatever reason. That could be too. In fact, he could be someone who was just already on Jakku and maybe Luke met him during the Battle of Jakku. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. But um, see, man, I've missed this. There, There hasn't been a whole lot of these rumors and stuff to – chew on recently we're like 45 minutes into the episode and we're only just getting to like our fourth tab out of however many we've got on our internet browser here and here's the best Um, part about it as past episodes where we talked about all these force awakens rumors would be like we'll just wait and see it's going to be down the line but now we just have two months to wait (laughs) pretty much to get these answers yep wait hang on i'm checking the official star wars app right now and we have Got to be in the 70s, I think. Loading, loading. Yes, I believe we are in the 70s. Um, Let's see. 10 days till Star Wars Rebels. Well, I guess 11 days, technically, if you sort of round up the hours on here. Uh, (laughs) 45 days till Star Wars Battlefront. And 76 days till Star Wars The Force Awakens. Oh, man. (laughs) Which is really going to be 75 days because... 
I mean, how many of us are actually going to wait till December 18th to see it when there's going to be all kinds of screenings going on the night of the 17th? Yep. (laughs) Um, But yeah, anyway, so let's get to uh, this last rumor here. And I'm just going to kind of briefly go over this because I know, Tim, you haven't even read this yet. Um, Yeah, one of those things I wanted to try to stay away from because I thought it might have been a little too spoilery. Yeah, I mean, this is an article on making Star Wars about, um, you know, sort of just outlining some of the points about the the backstory of the state of the basically where the state of the galaxy is at uh, sort of politically and everything um, leading up to and during episode seven between the resistance and the first order and all that. Um, let's see. I don't know how much I wanted, th- how much of this I want to get into here. Cause I don't want to spoil it for my co-hosts people at home. They can just turn this off or skip through it or whatever. Um, but one thing I did tell you before the episode that I had read um is there's uh, something in here. Basically, we had speculated about this before, and I had this theory that with the Resistance, you know, us sort of knowing that the Resistance and the First Order are the two main factions in the movie, but what if there's still a, a Republic out there and that the Resistance is just sort of this little offshoot faction that was formed to fight the First Order because the New Republic didn't want to? Um and if these rumors are true in this article, it sounds like that was pretty spot on, um, that the the First Order is sort of introduced as this new faction that is sort of, um, you know, regrouping the, the remnants of the Empire, I guess, or Supreme Leader Snow kind of gathering them under uh, a separate new banner or whatever. Um, and then they sort of sign a peace treaty with the New Republic saying like, hey, let's not fight. We'll stay out here and do our thing. You guys do your thing. Um, and after having just fought the Galactic Civil War for a long time, the New Republic is like, yeah, you know what? Fine. We don't want to fight anymore. You guys stay out in the outer room, do your thing. Meanwhile, Leia is like, eh, I don't know. That sounds like a bad idea. So she forms the resistance as sort of a, um, you know, underground military movement of the Republic saying, we don't trust these guys. And in case they try to stab us in the back, we're going to be ready to fight them. So that's what that is. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, I like that idea of, um, you know, just sort of shaking that up a little bit because again, from the, I guess the, the first time we heard those names announced, the resistance kind of sounded like, they were still the underdogs, still on the defensive, you know, and I was like, man, I hope this isn't 30 years later and it's the same status quo where the bit, the bad guys are like the big ones that, um, you know, the, the underdogs are trying to take down. But um, it does sound like there's a little bit different uh, balance of power here than we're used to seeing in the previous movies. So I think this sounds pretty cool. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense to what's already been established through Aftermath. And now I know you're not, that far into it yet, Kyle. So I don't know if I want to spoil it, but what you were saying about the new Republic and all that, not wanting to fight that there is a section in aftermath that goes into that as far as why that would be the case. So things are lining up to where that does sound pretty accurate. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can file that under rumors that I'm hoping that pan out to be true. And that sort of makes sense. Um, because again, yeah, I haven't gotten very far in aftermath yet. Admittedly, I got an Xbox one recently. So, um, you know, that's taken up a lot of what would be my reading time, but at least I'm prepared for Battlefront now. So, um, but I mean, what I've heard, I, I've just heard sort of some 
comments about these rumors from people who have read Aftermath, and it's like, oh yeah, that sort of lines up, and we're kind of getting an idea of what this picture looks like now, so... Um, I think that's pretty cool. And again, that's one of the things that I don't really mind knowing going into the movie because it's like stuff in between episodes six and seven that might not get fully fleshed out during the movie anyway. So um, I I thought that was pretty cool to read. Yeah, I was just worried since it was tied into episode eight a little bit, like it might spoil what happened at the end of episode seven. That might have been big and not going into episode eight. So that's why I kind of want to stay away from it. But what you were saying, all that stuff, yeah, since we speculated on it before, it all sounded cool. So hopefully it does pan out, like you said. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I can kind of say, I mean, there's definitely nothing in here that spoils what happens in episode seven. Um, The only thing it says is that basically there's this fragile peace going on um, between the Republic and the First Order um, and that by the end of episode seven, it is revealed to more of the Republic Senate and sort of the galaxy at large that, yes, the First Order are the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So it just sort of puts an end to this kind of stalemate that's been going on. Oh, wait, the First Order is going to be bad guys? What? Not that coming at all. Whoops. Forgot to put a spoiler alert on that. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's like we know just the – the, I, I hesitate to say the good guys because it sounds like there's still maybe some corruption in the Senate and that kind of stuff going on. But um, yeah, by the end of the movie, it is clear to everyone in the movie what side people are on. Mm-hmm. See, that's what they should have. One good thing the Empire did, get rid of the Senate. No more corruption in there. <laughs> yeah, well, except that I used that corruption to manipulate things perfectly to my design. And it did take a while for you to disrupt the Senate. It took a whole, like, 20 years from Revenge of the Senate. That was all Newt Gumray's fault. <laughs> if he wouldn't stop foiling my plans, getting himself arrested. Uh, which is why you had him taken out right after the Clone Wars. Oh, believe me, I wish I had done it 15 years sooner, but I needed <laughs> that slimy worm's battle droids. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of fans who wish you did it sooner, too. <laughs> yes, well... They have my deepest sympathies, and that is not something I give out often. <laughs> yes, we know that for sure. No. Now, moving on. There's a certain annoying rebel fish admiral who's <laughs> returning for this next movie. Uh, uh... Yeah, so um, actor Tim Rose, who played Admiral Akbar in uh, Return of the Jedi, recently did a uh, an interview with... Um, theaustralian.com and he basically confirmed that yes he's coming back to play Admiral Akbar. Um, didn't give any more details than that and uh, actually said that he's kind of been um, frustrated about all the secrecy surrounding the movie I'm not exactly sure what he's talking about here but um, and he said like out of the need to be secret we're not actually able to get everything we need to do or n- not able to get everything we need to do our jobs as well as we could um, and I'm like, is he talking about sort of asking other actors for advice on how they might play a certain role or something? And like, he can't even talk to his friends or his acting coach or something about, you know, how would Admiral Akbar say this line? Because he can't tell anybody what a line from the movie is. But I don't know. But, um, yeah, obviously we know there's a that. huge amount of secrecy around it, but we'd also heard rumors that, uh, 
Admiral Ackbar would be coming back for this movie, and now we pretty much know for sure that he is. So you yeah, can file this under the not confirmed by Lucasfilm, but pretty much everybody knows it's going to happen. Yeah, and plus they showed him too in the Comic-Con behind-the-scene footage. I mean, maybe you could think it would be another Mon Calamari, but come on, anyone who sees it kind of assumes it's Ackbar. So. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, we only saw the head, so... I mean, I was kind of one of those people that's like, eh, we don't know for sure that it's Akbar, but it's probably Akbar. Yeah, and plus then they show Neen Num right after they show the Akbar face. It's like <laughs> they're showing the two characters from Return of the Jedi back to back. Yeah. Now let's stop talking about all these pests who helped destroy my second Death Star with their aluminum falcon. <laughs> Uh-oh. We're getting the robot chicken up for Palpatine now. <laughs> I think that one's more dangerous. <laughs> Um, let's see. Now we've also got, uh, this really cool video that was posted on the, uh, the Star Wars Facebook page. Um, and I guess this is sort of a new thing that they're doing on YouTube now where you can upload these 360 degree videos or these interactive videos where, you know, you play it and then you can like click and drag across the screen to sort of change your viewing angle. Um, as you're you're doing it but i guess to sort of kick this whole thing off they had star wars do a video where you're on ray's speeder um going across the desert of jakku through the wreckage of the battle of jakku and you've got you know crashed ships and vehicles and stuff and the star destroyer off in the distance and you can sort of click and drag around and view the landscape um and so so i mean that was pretty cool um i haven't done this like a bunch of times and apparently there's some easter eggs that you can find in here and i haven't spotted all those yet but uh i mean it's a pretty neat little experience here yeah it's something that's pretty cool but i gotta be honest i tried opening it up one day and i don't have the latest computers mine's pretty old so like it took forever to kind of load up the video and it was kind of running pretty slow so i was like yeah just forget it but like you said i've seen some like people post screenshots of what it is and other videos of people using it and going through the wreckage of jakku i mean it looked neat but I just didn't have the urge to go back and go through it once it didn't work for me the first time. So it's a cool thing, but nothing I got overly excited for. Yeah. Well, it's not something that you need to watch on repeat over and over yeah. again, like the trailers. <laughs> um, but, you know, pretty cool little thing to check out there. If you haven't seen it yet, and uh, apparently if you've got a computer that's, uh, you know, can process it and can run it well enough, um, definitely <laughs> well, something you should. Old, like mine. <laughs> yeah, something you sh- should uh, check out um, if you haven't already. Um, also, we've got a couple of rumors about um, when the next trailer might be coming out, when uh, we might start seeing some more stuff at theaters, when the tickets might go on sale for Episode 7, that sort of thing. Um, I'm I'm really hoping this next trailer comes out sometime in October, and that's the, the rumors that we're hearing right now. Um, I think the biggest one we've heard recently is they're, they're kind of swirling around October 15th, October 16th, and that's mostly coming, it sounds like, from some movie theaters that are saying that that's when they're expecting to get um, new posters and promotional materials and uh, display stands and that sort of thing. Um, and it's just sort of from people who have worked at movie theaters saying that normally when they get that kind of new stuff in, especially for a a big, highly anticipated movie, that there's usually a trailer to accompany it. Um, and uh, I guess this website was originally, or the, the rumor was originally posted on this website, Furious Fanboys, and then they put an update on the article saying it now looks like the trailer might not be out till November. Um, but this is just 
based on a tweet from uh, Anthony Bresnikan, who's a writer for Entertainment Weekly, who has covered a lot of Star Wars stuff in the past. Um, I think he's written some of the, the articles um, that have given us some new information on The Force Awakens, and he seems to be pretty well informed on stuff. I remember reading a couple of tweets from him like before San Diego Comic-Con saying like, hey, my sources are saying that we're not going to get um, any new footage from the movie for this or, you know, not getting a new trailer or whatever. And that turned out to be true. So yeah, he's the guy who hosted the Force Awakens panel, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, on the one hand, he doesn't give any basis for this. Um, and he doesn't say it's definitely coming out in November. He just says a few days ago, I thought it would have to be this month, but now not sure. Maybe November after all. Um, that's a whole lot of maybe in there. So <laughs> I'm really hoping that maybe it still ends up being this month. Um, but then we also, uh, got a rumor and this is from the full of Sith podcast. And they said, um, and I'm not sure what they're basing this on, but they're saying that October 19th, is when uh, tickets for The Force Awakens are going to go on sale at movie theaters, at least they're saying at uh, Century and Cinemark theaters, which you would assume, uh, I mean, maybe that's just the theater that they heard it from, but these things tend to go on sale, you know, across the world or at least across the country all at the same time, regardless of what theater it's at. So, um, and I mean, I have a really hard time believing that tickets would go on sale October 19th and that there wouldn't be a new trailer out till November. Like, that seems like a perfect thing to have coincide with each other. So, I don't know. Keep your fingers crossed, people. Um, you know, until we get a release date or an announcement of, you know, when we're going to get the next trailer, it's still kind of up in the air. We don't really know. But, again, the days keep ticking till the movie comes out, and we know we're going to get another trailer sometime before then. So, it's like, all right, guys, any day now. Yeah, here's my prediction on how it's going to go down. Right now, I think Lucasfilm is still a full-on Star Wars Rebel Season 2 mode. So we get the premiere on that October 14th. And after that's done, it's aired. I think the week after that, it's going to be full-on Force Awakens mode. And maybe kind of coincide the report from Full of Sith about October 19th being the day advanced tickets go on sale. And I just think how great would it be you get a new trailer and it says at the end, now purchase your advanced tickets for The Force Awakens, like right now or on this date. Maybe it won't be the 19th, but later that week or something like that. But I agree with you, Kyle, where it makes sense to have the tickets go on sale and the trailer to be out kind of pretty close because it's just, I think, almost perfect marketing. You get everyone hyped up when you see that new trailer and, oh, I can purchase tickets for this movie? Let me do it right now. So I have a hard time believing, too, it's going to be November. I mean, maybe there are some cases where movies put out uh, a trailer for just a month away from release, but if it's going to be November, it's got to be like the first day or two of November because I can't see it being exactly one month or even like three weeks before the movie comes out. We get a new trailer. Uh, I I don't see them doing that. I mean, they got to get the hype train going even further for all those non-hardcore Star Wars fans to get ready to see this movie. So I still think it has to be October and. It would be perfect if it's in the middle after the Rebels premiere gets, uh, it, after it airs and the promotional stuff kind of stops on that and then just goes on the full of Force Awakens mode. So if it's middle of October and like the week of October 19th, I think that's the safe bet for right now. But like you said, mm-hmm. we keep hearing these different reports and all that. So while we're getting closer to the movie, it means we're just getting even closer to that trailer too. So hopefully it's sometime this month. Yeah. I mean, I will say... I I definitely can't see it being any later than November 18th. 
um, because, you know, like a month out from the day the movie comes out, that would be like the best time to release a last minute trailer. But still, I mean, I, I really do think if they're going to start selling tickets this month, it's got to be sometime around then because you want people, like you said, you can show that trailer and then at the end of it, say, you know, tickets now on sale or tickets on sale next Monday or next Friday or whenever it's going to be. Um, I, I, that's, that's just a perfect tie in marketing tool right there. Um, and you know, I, I mean, personally, I know a lot of people who are excited about the movie, but I still know a lot of people who are like, yeah, I'm going to go see it, but I don't get what all you fanboys are so hugely excited about. Like we've only seen a couple of trailers so far and it still hasn't seen us, you know, shown us that much. And so yeah, I feel I still think they need to show a little bit more to really get everybody on board. Um, although on the other hand, there was like a poll that they released recently, and I forget what website this was on, but they surveyed like twenty one hundred people, and I think like maybe eight hundred of them said that they were like diehard Star Wars fans, but I think maybe sixty five percent, something around there, of the people in the poll said that they thought The Force Awakens was going to be the best Star Wars movie out of all of them. Which I was kind of surprised. Like I'm not even expecting that. Yeah. If that happens, great. But you should not I'm go like, expecting that. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping for somewhere like around Revenge of the Sith, A New Hope kind of thing. Um, you know, maybe approaching Empire Strikes Back. If it's better than Empire Strikes Back, great. Um, and I don't even know if I would say Empire is my personal favorite Star Wars movie. It kind of, I mean, depending on my mood, it fluctuates between Empire, Return of the Jedi, and even Revenge of the Sith occasionally. But, um, I mean, obviously Empire Strikes Back, I think, is the one that is kind of held in highest regard among the majority of the fans as being, like, the best Star Wars movie. So, um, like I said, if it's better than that, great, but... I'm not sort of holding it to that. I'm not going to count it as a failure if it's not better than every Star Wars movie that's come before. Um, but at the same time, I think I think a lot of people who said that in the poll might have actually been the people who weren't the diehard Star Wars fans because I think for someone who's not as invested in the saga as we are, that's sort of a, a natural... Um, assumption to make, I guess, knowing that the original movies were made back in, you know, the 70s and 80s. So you would assume that the special effects and the cinematography and everything and just sort of the, the technology side of it is going to be a lot better in the new one than it was back then. And that, you know, obviously they've sort of learned from their mistakes with the prequels and that you've got J.J. Abrams taking over and a lot of people like his work. And so they're thinking that, um, you know, in terms of story and character, it's going to be better than those movies. So, um, yeah, for maybe for uh, for some of the non-hardcore fans who don't worship the original trilogy like we do, they're like, well, yeah, I think this is going to be the best one. Um, but at the same time, you know, like I said, I'm just hoping to go in and, and see a, a great movie and have a great time with it. But I'm not really holding it to high expectations like this has to be the best one yet. Yeah, that's, that's totally the wrong way to go into because you're going to be left disappointed where – it doesn't meet up to your the high level of expectations to be on X, like the Empire Strikes Back. Like, no, <laughs> you said the perfect thing. If it is, I mean, great. I mean, that's awesome. But if not, don't let that ruin your movie. Like, you're ruining the movie for itself because it could be a really great movie, but not as good as the Empire Strikes Back, and that's okay too if it's not. But if you go in expecting that, then you're going to be disappointed. So, mm-hmm. totally agree with that. But going back to the whole trailer thing, I mean, I just hope. 
I mean, our buddy Paul says this all the time, where he hopes Lucasfilm isn't taking for granted the brand recognition of Star Wars and think they can wait as long as they want and Star Wars doesn't need any promotion. But I've actually heard on some uh, podcasts or just like online uh, videos of, of Star Wars shows where fans discussing it, saying how they're talking to people saying, oh, there's a new Star Wars movie coming out. Oh, that's awesome. I had no idea. So if there's <laughs> more people out there like that, they need to get this trailer out <laughs> this month and get that word out. So they have two months for people to get excited who don't even know there's a new one coming out. So I don't know. It's a delicate balance they got to uh, play because I know there's some people worrying, oh, they don't want to overhype it or oversaturate uh, the, I don't know, <laughs> I guess the fandom with so much Star Wars that people get sick of it. But at the same time, too, you want to get those who aren't fully aware of it to get excited for it. So, yeah, they got to play this right. And I think if they do it in October, it would be the perfect time. So mm-hmm. hopefully that remains the case. Well, yeah, and I mean that's sort of an explanation that we've heard rumored going around as to why they didn't release the trailer around force Friday, because they just didn't want to sort of oversaturate it and get people worn out on too much star Wars. And I guess the thing that would have me worried about October is if they take that same approach with star Wars rebels. Um, But let's be honest. I mean, as great as star Wars rebels is and as many fans as there are out there who love it. um, I mean, if they release a new trailer, like a week later, more people are going to watch that in the first hour that it's online than are going to watch the Star Wars Rebels premiere. Like yeah. that's sort of a, a niche audience thing. It's it's for kids on Disney XD, and it's for the hardcore fans that want to take the time to you know watch more um, you know more stories in between episodes three and four and get to know more characters and stuff like that. But for just general movie going audiences, I mean, a lot of them probably have never heard of the show or they've never seen anything on Disney XD or anything like that. So, um, I mean, I think within the, the smaller group of like the hardcore fans, yeah, that might seem like a lot of star Wars stuff to, to release within the span of a couple of weeks. But since when are we complaining about that? You know, like (laughs) if we get the, the star Wars rebels premiere one week and a new episode seven trailer the week after that, um, I'm not going to get burnt out. I'm going to get super excited and not be able to sleep for a whole freaking week. Um, and, you know, again, for, for the general audiences, for people who don't watch Star Wars Rebels, like you said, you want to get the trailer out there sooner than later just to sort of keep building up the hype for the movie. So hopefully we'll see, we'll, we'll get to see that uh, pretty soon here. But um, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, my ultimate hope is that our next podcast, we're talking about a new trailer. <laughs> yeah, that is my hope as well. Um, but you know, well, I guess hopefully now nah, we won't be waiting that long. I was going to say, if it does come out till, no- if it doesn't come out until November, we're not going to wait till November to record a new episode because, um, if anything, uh, I mean, we've got the, um, the star Wars rebels premiere coming up and also we'll be getting our first little glimpse of star Wars battlefront. We'll be talking about that in a little bit uh, later here, but, um, yeah, we, we will certainly have plenty to talk about. Um, in you know another couple weeks or so, regardless of whether we have a new trailer, but I really hope we do have a new trailer. Definitely, um, like you said, who's going to complain about more awesome Star Wars content? <laughs> yeah, and and by the way, I don't want to fool anybody into thinking we're almost done because we usually at the end of the episode kind of talk about 
you know, just sort of speculating about when we might do our next episode and what kind of stuff we might have to talk about coming up. Uh, we are not really even close to done. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are almost close to done with the movie stuff. In fact, we are done with the episode seven news and rumors and everything. Um, but we've got a couple of things for Rogue One. Um, well, actually, I guess this kind of relates to episode seven, too. But there's this rumor that uh, episode seven might include a little teaser scene at the end of the credits, like the Marvel movies do, uh, for Rogue One. Now, I don't know. Tim, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think I might be in the minority here where I don't want to see that. I I don't want to say that the Star Wars movies should be above the Marvel movies and not have that because I love it when the Marvel movies have that. It's a cool lead into the next Marvel movie to get excited about when it when they connect like that. Sometimes it's just for a specific movie like Guardians of the Galaxy because I don't think we're going to be seeing Howard the Duck pop in <laughs> anything <laughs> too soon in a Marvel movie. But I just think it wouldn't fit Star Wars. I mean, it's been established already with the other six movies. None of them had that. But if they want to put a Rogue One teaser in the beginning like before the force awakens just as a normal teaser trailer that i'm good for because it doesn't yeah see i I don't know they kind of said too where it might be a good thing to get people aware of rogue one that it's not the next direct sequel to episode eight it is going to be one of the anthologies or star wars story so maybe they want to get that word out for fans but i think It'd work better if they did that before The Force Awakens because if you show that after The Force Awakens, I wonder if people are just going to automatically assume that, oh, is this episode eight or is it something different because after just seeing The Force Awakens. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. But for me personally, I just don't think it fits the Star Wars mold where after maybe if anything, they could have it in the theatrical run to be at the end. But I don't want it to be on like the home releases on Blu-ray or something like that because – None of the other six Star Wars movies have it, so I don't still want to break that mold that's been established already. But yet, when we get, like, if you're watching all, like, a marathon, you're going to watch all nine of them. And when the time you get to episode seven, that's where it starts to have a post credit scene for a movie that doesn't necessarily fit into the saga movies that we're just talking about with Kathleen Kennedy. But yet, it's for the anthology film. So I just don't think it's going to fit. So if we get a teaser for it beforehand, cool. But I, don't think a post credit scene is something I want to see. Yeah, well, I don't know if you're in the minority with that, but if you are, then uh, that makes two of us. <laughs> okay, I'm not alone. Um, no, well, see, here's the thing. If they are going to have something at the end of the credits, I think like a, a little cut-together teaser trailer would work better than just a scene like the way that Marvel does them. Mm-hmm. Kind of like with, um, what was it? I think Captain America, the first Avenger, was the last phase one Marvel movie to come out before the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't have a little teaser scene at the end. It just had the first teaser trailer for the yeah. Avengers. Um, I think something like that could work for rogue one, but I also think it could work just as well at the beginning of the movie because I mean, I guess on the one hand you maybe don't want to distract people by making them think about the movies that are coming up before, you know, right before they're about to see, episode seven and you maybe don't want to confuse them or whatever but at the same time like you said if once you see episode seven and you're sitting there at the end of the movie as the credits are rolling if there's a scene or a teaser or something that pops up people's natural assumption might be to assume that that's what comes next you know that's episode eight um and obviously we know that's not the case but you know for for general audiences 
I, I think a lot of people by this point are aware of the fact that Star Wars Episode Seven is coming out, but probably not a lot of the general population is aware of the whole anthology thing and Rogue One and the fact that Rogue One is not a sequel to The Force Awakens and all that kind of thing. Um, especially with the fact that in all the, the official promotional marketing and all that episode seven isn't being referred to as episode seven. It's just be, you know, you just see star Wars, the force awakens and people know that that's episode seven, but it's not being called that. And so with rogue one, you know, some people might just assume that that's episode eight when we know that's not the case. Um, and so, I mean, I think by the time Rogue One comes out, I think most of that confusion will have been cleared up. But to show a teaser for it as soon as Episode 7 ends, um, I think that would confuse people. At the same time, they could, I mean, we know that they've just started shooting for Episode 8. They could put a teaser for that at the end of Episode 7. But then that might confuse people as well if you're saying, you know, Star Wars Episode Eight coming to theaters two years from now, but there's another Star Wars movie coming out next year, and don't skip over that. We still want you to go yeah. see that, but, here, you know, we're showing you the next movie in the chronological order from this one. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of agree with you. I don't think that, I mean, either way you look at it, I, I don't think Star Wars necessarily needs it, Um but, the, I mean, just the fact that they're owned by Disney now and that that strategy has worked so well for Marvel and, I mean, every Marvel movie makes just huge amounts of money at the box office. Um, you know, a movie like uh, Ant-Man that makes low amounts of money by Marvel standards. I'm doing the, you know, quotation fingers around low <laughs> right now. That still was, you know, by by the standards of any other uh, you know, summer action movie was a pretty decent sized hit. So um, they might be inclined to sort of be like, oh, well, let's do that with Star Wars too and get more people to go see the Star Wars movies. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it could work. It could cause confusion. Um, I don't know. But I do think if there's going to be a post-credits scene after episode seven for Rogue One, it needs to be a, a teaser trailer and not just a teaser scene because the way that they do those with Marvel, it's like at the end of the movie, you always see like, it, it's always a character that you've just seen in the movie. You just watched, um, you know, in some sort of setting that you recognize like, Oh yeah, he was just here. Oh, and now he's talking to some other character about something that they're going to do in the next movie. Um, and obviously that, that just wouldn't work for row one because as far as we know, none of the same characters are going to cross over between those two movies. So, um, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to, to wait and see how it pans out. But yeah, I, I don't think it's something that, uh, that they need to have in there. Totally agree. Yeah. Just put a teaser for rogue one at the beginning of it. It's like a normal trailer. And I think that'll work fine. Yeah. Or just release the rogue one trailer online, like a week after episode seven comes out. Yeah, no, I think that if they're going to release anything with Rogue One trailer-wise, they want to do it for the Force, like have it attached to the Force sure. Awakens too, I would think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that would make more sense. But then, like I said, I, I don't know if if it might be confusing, like seeing a trailer for the next Star Wars movie before you see the one that you're about to watch. And as far as I can remember, I don't think any other movies tend to do that. Um, although I don't remember, like, was there, did they play a trailer for Ant-Man before Avengers Age of Ultron? 
Yeah, I believe they did. I, I yeah, I don't remember, but I'm sure they probably did. So the Marvel movies usually do that for the yeah. movies coming out next. I don't know. I guess they could do that. Yeah, like I know with Star Wars, it's a whole new ball game with getting a movie every year. Just as far as how they're going to market it. And all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's something we're we're not quite used to, and it's something I'm still kind of wrapping my head around a little bit. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the fact that this is you know something we're going to talk about here in a little bit. The the fact that. Rogue One is already, you know, well into production and but they also have just started sort of filming the the first scenes and stuff for episode eight. Um, I don't even think that's like fully into production, but it's, um, you know, kind of some of the early like second unit stuff that we've heard about on some of the other movies. Um, At least I assume that's what's going on, but we haven't really heard anything official about it. But yeah, it, it definitely is new to uh i mean with the even like with the prequel trilogy they would wait till one came out before they started filming the next one and now you know we're still a couple months out from the force awakens and we have not one but two other star wars movies that are already filming in the meantime so (laughs) yeah you're totally right still getting used to that whole crazy idea yeah as awesome as it is though (laughs) yeah definitely I'm not complaining. I'm just uh, adjusting. Yeah, it just feels weird still. Yeah. Pretty soon we'll be saying it's like it's old hat. Oh, wait, there's not a Star Wars movie production right now? How can that be? <laughs> that <never laughs> yeah, happened. exactly. Um, now, we've also got some new uh, leaked set photos from Rogue One from TMZ. Um, not really anything spoilerish here, so, you know, I, I wasn't, uh, you know, too hesitant to jump in and look at these, but. Um, it seems like uh, sort of some similar some similar stuff to what we've seen before, where there's uh, like a, a battlefield type setting on a beach or something like that, um, with one of the set pieces involving some sort of crash transporter spaceship that's got like four engines on it. Um, it's hard to tell what this thing is, and it looks like in these pictures, it's either not like they haven't finished building it yet, or maybe this is like a physical part of something that they're going to add more digital stuff to later. Um, Cause these four engines look like they're just sort of on like a wireframe thing with just a pole connecting them. And I'm like, that's an awkward design for a ship. That thing wouldn't hold together very well. Um, but I mean, kind of cool looking from what we can see of it. And then there's also some pictures of some dead stormtroopers kind of lying around in the sand and uh, kind of floating in the water just off the beach and um, stuff like that. So, you know, definitely looks like the aftermath of a battle. There's also, you know, some big black scorch marks in the sand and all that. Um, And then also some sort of um, like bunker or base kind of thing built into the sand as well. Yeah, with the... With yeah, it looks images. like we're going to be getting uh, Saving Private Ryan with Stormtroopers. Yeah. <laughs> These images, they were cool to see. I mean, you even saw some of like, the actors on set. I believe you could see like Diego Luna in there. And But it, what, what killed it for me is seeing those dead bodies of Stormtroopers in the water. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I hopefully the Stormtroopers aren't just going to be cannon fodder in this movie also. So. I never should have hired you fools to replace the clones. They were much better shots. Totally agree with you on that one, my lord. What were you thinking? I don't know. But they <laughs> serve their purpose and kill all the Jedi. It's a good thing I didn't replace you before then. <laughs> if only you had him for the Battle of Endor, though. Things would have turned out so much differently. Oh, if only, if only. 
Uh, too late for that now. But, you know, running a galaxy for 20 years and hiring the Kaminoans the entire time to keep making new batches of clones, it gets expensive after a while. <laughs> Always comes down to money. You don't have to yes, think so with the Empire, exactly. but still. Because otherwise I can just, you know, in, instead of paying them for clones, I can just make a few propaganda commercials, tell people I'll shoot them if they don't enlist, and then suddenly I have myself an army of stormtroopers. <laughs> and even if they can't shoot worth beans, it still looks like an imposing force that has strength in numbers and the rebel scum scatter in fear until they don't and blow up my Death Star. Well, they don't look too imposing when they're floating dead bodies in water <laughs> no no they don't or ewoks playing them as drums <laughs> nope or when there's that one fool who walks into a room and hits his head on the doorway <laughs> uh, the pr for the stormtroopers did not work no no it did not but you know what you learn a thing or two over the course of 20 years ruling a galaxy and that is one thing that i learned very well so when I return from the dead and create the second galactic empire, I'm going back to Camino and saying, make me some more clones. Well, see, the first order are going to be so successful that they're not going to need a second galactic empire. They have Captain Phasma as the leader of the troopers, so I think they're in good hands. That doesn't matter. It's a movie. <laughs> the good guys are going to win eventually. And then they're going to need another bad guy to make more movies. <laughs> well... We got the plot for episodes 10 through 13, or 10 through 12. Learn to count. It is another, your destiny. Another mistake by me by being intimidated by my Grand Emperor, I am sorry. Yep. Um, anywho. <laughs> so we got the Rogue One set photos. Um, also, as I said, uh, they've started doing a little bit of shooting for episode 8. Um, at the same, uh, that Skellig Michael Island in Ireland, where we you know they had done some shooting for episode seven. Um, they've got some set photos here on star Wars seven news.com, but it's not really anything that tells you anything about the movie. It's just sort of pictures of like production tents and stuff like that set up. Um, no actors in costume or anything like that. We do know that Mark Hamill has been in Ireland, uh, shooting there. I don't know if he's still there or not, but, um, I mean, there were some people. I don't believe that, he is, no. Yeah, I mean, there were some people that posted pictures of themselves, like with him in a bar and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so we know he was there filming. One thing that was interesting to note is he was there clean shaven, and I think people, like a lot of people, just jumped to the assumption, oh, Luke's going to have a beard in episode seven, and he's not going to have it in episode eight. Now, that could be a possibility because we don't know how you know what the what the time gap is in between episode seven and eight you know how close or far apart they take place so maybe it takes place like a year or two or three later and luke's decided he wanted to shave his beard by then i think probably the more likely story is that uh i mean i we know from some interviews and stuff with mark hamill that He's playfully made reference to his contractually obligated beard, but I really don't think he enjoyed growing that thing out and having a beard on his face for however many months uh, that they were shooting. So I I mean, at least this is just my assumption. I don't really have anything to base this on, but I think he probably just asked Ryan Johnson if he could shave it off, if they could have the costume department make him a 
you know, beard out of fake hair that they could just glue onto his face for shooting, and then he could take it off, go have a drink at the pub without getting beer in his beard. See, the thing, though, where it makes me think it could be where Luke shaves in the movie after Episode 7, because there was that shot, like, once Episode 7 supposedly wrapped principal photography, Luke was, or Mark Hamill took that uh, picture, like, above uh, the studios where he was clean-shaven, but... I think there were reports, too, that maybe while the main principal photography was done, they were still, like, filming a little, like, se- sections or scenes. And maybe one of them was a clean-shaven Mark Hamill as Luke. And then when now they're picking up with episode eight, maybe he's continuing that. So, I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. But I just think it's cool that episode eight is, <laughs> like we're talking about, is already in production and somewhat. And it's probably just something where this is the only time they were able to film at Skellig Michaels, so they took advantage of that. And mm-hmm. to film the sequence here, and also um, maybe it might be a little too spoilery to get into what they're actually filming there, especially in regards to the ending of episode seven. So probably won't go into too much of that, but it's going to be something cool that I think <laughs> was going to be seen, as I was referencing to a little earlier on when we're talking about uh, Ray and her parentage. Uh, so. We'll find out. Are, are you thinking it might be sort of Dagobah-esque? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking kind of the same thing. And I mean, it, it's funny because when these rumors first came out, um, it started just as rumors that, oh, they're going back to film on Skellig Michael Island. And even though episode se- episode seven's coming out in a couple of months, like they're going back to do some last minute pickup shots. And I was like, yeah, well, what if episode eight, picks up right where episode seven left off and they're just shooting new stuff in the same location. And I think it turns out that that's kind of the case. Now it doesn't have to be necessarily right afterwards because again, you know, if it's Jedi trading, like we're speculating, it could be six months or a year or however much longer later. Um, And you know, whoever Luke's pupil is that's with him is like, Oh, we've been up here for months. Can we finally get off the, you know, friggin' deserted, isolated mountain thing or whatever. Um, and then they go back out into the galaxy and get on with their big adventure. But, um, yeah, obviously no surprise that there's, uh, locations that pop up, uh, multiple times throughout the franchise. I mean, Tatooine has been in five of the six star Wars movies. So, um, yeah, not, not surprised to see them return to the same spot for episode eight. Yeah. The location too. It just looks so neat. I mean, I can't wait to see that in the force awakens if that, is where we're all speculating where Luke has been in hiding or in exile. That whatever the planet is going to be named, uh, it's going to look really cool visually. I mean, cause yeah, like ancient ruins and stuff too. What makes you think it's like an ancient Jedi temple that Luke retreated to on maybe a, a planet so far out in the outer rim that he wouldn't be fine or wouldn't be found. So yeah, I just can't wait to see that location of Skell and Michael on the screen and find out what planet it is and what how significant it is to the like overall galaxy or just as far as to the Jedi in the Force, too. It'd be cool if it was something like Dagobah, where it is so in tune with the Force that that's why Luke went there. Yeah, and I also still want to know, too, if that's the same planet where we see uh, the squad of X-Wing fighters in the trailer, like, skimming over the surface of the water, because that is still probably my favorite shot out mm-hmm. of all the footage we've seen so far. Yeah, see, I don't think so. I think that's wherever the Resistance base is on from those set photos we've seen too of all the X-Wings and like the docking bays and all that. I think that's what that planet is. I mean, yeah, it does look similar, but I think Skellig Michael, that whole location just has its own unique look and feel to it. 
that it's going to be a totally different planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't necessarily disagree, but you know, at the same time, like with the the fact that it's a island with mountains and stuff, and that there's a lot of water around it, it's like it looks like that could be in the background of that X-wing shot. So <laughs> Luke was um, on the resistant planets the whole time, and no one knew <laughs> exactly. <he was> <laughs> Um, those rebels, they can't even find their Jedi leader, and yet they managed to find and blow up two of my Death Stars. <laughs> uh, just shows how incompetent the Empire is. Yep. Um, I, see, I would jump into my Emperor voice and take that as an insult, but I know that was just so painful for you to say, being the Empire uh, fan that you are. After I said that, I was like, maybe I should take that back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's true when you look at the Battle of Endor, as much as I love the Empire, they were incompetent. Mm-hmm. But see, I don't blame it on the Empire's incompetence. I, I just give it I, I give Chewie all the credit for the rebel victory <laughs> in the Battle of Endor. Uh, those stormtroopers and Imperial officers panicked and just ran away <laughs> once those Ewoks showed up. They were just so nervous and didn't know what the heck to do. They looked incompetent. Yeah, but they still had the walkers blowing people up until Chewie went all Tarzan and hijacked one and <laughs> blew up all the walkers. Uh, yeah. When you look back at what the Republic and the clones did, uh, there's no way the Empire can compare. I'm sorry. Nope. While I may be a big Empire fan, I'm more of the Republic and clones more. <laughs> <laughs> they surpassed them after everything we've seen in Clone Wars. Um. Yeah, all right. So now we've got uh, another rumor that – well, this is actually a couple of rumors. It's one article on Making Star Wars, but this is uh, a couple of rumors about Darth Vader um, in future Star Wars films. Now, there's one uh, you know, about Rogue One, um, and of course we've heard rumored slash speculated on our own that because this deals with the Rebels fighting the Empire during uh, the, the time period in between Episodes 3 and 4 – that there's a very good chance we could see Darth Vader in this movie. And uh, they're saying, uh, or he says, the most I've heard at this juncture is that a fully operat- a fully operational Darth Vader chess piece, along with the helmet, uh, made it to the creature shop for the next film. So, um, yeah, it sounds like they're making Vader stuff. It also, uh, he says, the lights on the chess piece uh, work and everything. Um, but he also said there were not several of them, just one seen by a source and mentioned by another. Um, so... They're thinking that that sort of implies that maybe Vader won't have a huge role in the film um, if they're not making, like, multiple sets of of armor in case something gets broken on set or whatever. Um, Which makes perfect sense to me because I'm not expecting Vader to be, like, the main villain in the movie. I'm not expecting him to have a lightsaber duel with some, uh, you know, exiled Jedi or anything like that. Um, But I would expect him to have, you know, at least a scene or two um, you know, giving orders to the, the main imperial general or whoever's going to be sort of the um, the main minion, I guess you could say, in the movie. Um, you know, stuff like that. So I, I would expect him to appear. I wouldn't expect him to have a huge role. Because, um, again, obviously we know Vader's story throughout the whole original trilogy. So it's not like we need more backstory on Darth Vader or anything like that. We just want to see him and kind of see what he's up to during this time period. But I think we, you know, we've got a pretty good idea of it already. And it's also something where, you know, if he's going after them personally and there's no Jedi, like that's going to be kind of too easy. Um, Exactly. and And it's going to be something where, I mean, if this is sort of in the early days of the rebellion, um, 
you know, you would think it's like, okay, we'll, we'll let the, in, the Imperials and the Stormtroopers deal with those guys. And then, you know, once they steal the Death Star plans, Vader's like, oh, crap, I'm going to deal with this myself. Yeah, but that would lead in perfectly to A New Hope. That's where he goes on the Star Destroyer. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, so I, I expect the same thing with Rogue One. It'd just be like a cool little cameo appearance, if yeah. you will. I mean, I guess personally I'm hoping for a little more than just a cameo because I just want to hear some more Vader dialogue and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I mean, especially, you know, with him being in Star Wars Rebels as well, it's like we're getting plenty of Vader right now. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to be super disappointed if he's not like a major character. Um, now, this other rumor. <laughs> this is a good one. Yeah, this this will be a fun one to uh, speculate on. Um but there, there's this rumor about episode eight that a team in the UK are soon heading to the US to begin training Hayden Christensen for a Star Wars episode seven appearance of some sort. Um, what, what did I say? Seven? Yeah. Yeah, I meant the. I see, didn't now make I'm scared of my set. I did it too many times. I had to get you on it too to make you feel included. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. So, so what do you think about this? I'm sure, you know, millions of fans heard that and screamed out in terror and, uh, you know, were probably not so suddenly silenced. Um, I'm sure a lot of other people were just like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. They would never do that. But I don't know. Part of me can't shake the feeling that, like, there is a possibility. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Tim, what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, there probably were a lot of fans who had that reaction. I was not one of them. I was actually someone who got excited by this possibility and hope it ends up being true. But I'm kind of on the fence where <laughs> if it is actually going to happen because what gets me on this is that the report, like you said, that this is a crew from the UK is going to come down <clears throat> to the US to train Hayden Christensen for like a fight sequence. But that's where I pause and go, why... Would he have to train for a fight sequence if it's in episode eight and we know Anakin's a force ghost? I mean, I don't think he's going to be needed to do much uh, lightsaber training or combat training as a force ghost. But then it makes you think, oh, maybe it's going to be a flashback, which could be pretty cool to see Anakin in action again. It'd be cool if it's like a Clone Wars era flashback. That'd be awesome to see. But I just, what I'm kind of hoping is that maybe the report is true that Hayden Christensen is going to have a role in episode eight, but it's not going to be in any like, fight sequence or action scene because I just would love to see him interact with Luke as a force goes. I mean, to me, that would be so amazing to see Luke communicating with his father as a force goes and just as a force goes and just getting advice from him or more training in some ways with the force because that'd just be so cool. And yeah, people can say whatever they want about Hayden Christensen in the prequels. I personally think he gets too much flag. Sure. Not every scene is great, but I think he's fine as Anakin and what gets me also maybe to believe this could be true where Ryan Johnson is directing episode eight. And I know if he said in the past too, that he's actually someone who likes the prequels and appreciates them for what they are and being part of the star Wars story. So if there's any director who's going to have more prequel references in a star Wars movie, and in fact have a character from them in it, it would be Ryan Johnson. So to me, those aspects line up well where it makes sense and leads me to believe that it could be true but there's still a part of me thinking well yeah i don't know it just seems like something that could see i'm kind of 50 50 on it maybe it's more of me wanting it to be true 
but it's just it's also one of those rumors where it just makes you scratch your head like i don't know if they're gonna do that so we'll have to wait and see but i'm someone who would love to see it i think it'd just be awesome yeah i'm i mean like you said i'm kind of on the fence about it um I'm certainly not like totally against it. I think the biggest thing for me, the biggest reason I don't want this to happen is not because of Hayden Christensen himself, but just sort of from a fan perspective. Um, I mean, the, the prequels get you know so much flack and so much controversy. And like you said, a lot of it is undeserved. Um, yeah, those movies do have some issues. They're not perfect, but I, I think they're better than a lot of people give them credit for. I think... Hayden Christian is not as terrible of an actor as some people say he is. Um, I, I do, th- you know, I'll admit, I think he has some kind of cringeworthy scenes in those movies, but I think he also has some pretty good ones as well. Um, but the, I think the biggest drawback would just be the backlash from fans and from the uh, casual, you know, quotation mark fingers again, the so-called fans who mm-hmm. would just like tear them a new one for this and be like, Oh my gosh, that guy is so terrible. And he, you know, ruined the prequels and it ruined return of the Jedi when they came out with the DVD and replaced him as Anakin at the end of it. And I don't want to ever see him again. And don't get me started on the fans who hate that return of the Jedi change. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I think it's actually so much better than the old way, but we can go on for hours on that. (laughs) That was a long tangent. So yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think that's so much better, but I don't mind it at all. Um, I mean, I the first so the first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool," yeah. um, and you know, it's a nice way to to tie the two trilogies together. Um, and so, yeah, I do think it would be kind of cool to have them, uh, you know, like you said, to see Anakin as a Force ghost again. Um, and yeah, like I mean, with the way they worded in the article that there's a team going to train him, I didn't necessarily read that as them going to train him for a fight scene or for stunts or anything like that, because I don't see any way that that would be necessary, um, unless they're going to do something really cool and actually have a force ghost like take part in a battle or something like that. But <laughs> I don't um, know about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that would work. But I, I mean, I don't think we need to see him in a flashback or anything because we've seen Anakin's entire story and especially with um, Clone Wars, you know, we've seen plenty of that. And I mean, you know, not that Hayden Christensen's like super old or anything, but he is, you know, 10 years older than he was in Revenge of the Sith. Um, I haven't seen him in anything lately, so I don't know exactly what he looks like these days. But I'm sure he might be a little too old to convincingly pull off, you know, 20-something-year-old Anakin in between episodes two and three. But also, after all the seasons of Clone Wars that we've had, like, I just don't think there's really much more in that in that time period that needs to be told. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I think... I hope they don't do is, like, the resurrection of Anakin or Darth Vader or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah, heck no. Um, I Clone wouldn't even all be... That. Please don't go that route. Yeah, I wouldn't even be concerned about that. The other, I mean, the other thing, too, like, if they're sending a team to, quote-unquote, train him, um, I was thinking, like, yeah, maybe he'll be a Force ghost. They shoot him on a green screen, and they could just do that here in the U.S., and they just need to train him on, I don't know, the technology that they need to do to shoot it or, you know, where to look because Mark Hamill's not actually going to be there, something like that, whatever the case may be. Um. And so, you know, maybe just because this is kind of something simple, they didn't need to fly him out to England and have him on set with everybody else. Um, But, yeah, I I don't think it's going to be a flashback. I don't think it's going to be a fight scene. If he's going to be in here at all, it should only be as 
force ghost Anakin talking to Luke. I think, I mean, I guess, yeah, personally for me, I think that would be pretty cool. Um, but I, I just don't want the headache of sitting there in the theater, watching it for the first time. And, you know, somebody in the theater going, Oh gosh, not this guy again. Yeah. If anything, if that does happen, hopefully it'll be where they could be proven wrong, where it's such an awesome sequence. And another thing too, which could, I think, definitely leads into some of the criticism that Hayden got in the movie, like some of those cringeworthy scenes you were talking about, mainly in the episode two, like Padme, Anakin scenes in the middle of the movie, where it could have been a direction from Lucas, too, because we all know mm-hmm. Lucas isn't the greatest director out there, but now that it's Ryan Johnson, someone who is regarded as a good director, maybe he could get that better performance out of him than Lucas would. So if that's the case, like you were talking about, people just being like, afraid to see any prequel connections of the bad rap they got there and just to be proven wrong as <laughs> for an amazing sequence that's just like a great dynamic or maybe even an emotional like sequence between him and luke i think would be really cool and this maybe turn people on their heads as of how good it is so mm-hmm. i don't know again it's one of those 50 50 things for me where i hope it happens but at the same time it's still hard to think that lucasfilm will do that but just because of what they're doing with episode seven now is as far as banging you over the head of how this is more in connection with the original trilogy so yeah but like i said new director now and kathleen kennedy has said i mean these movies are following a specific story line that's going to be told throughout the trilogy but the directors do have a little bit of free reign to do what they want and have it be their movie and this can be something that maybe ryan johnson wants to have in there so Mm -hmm. i don't know well and i mean that could be part of their plan for the the larger overall trilogy too is that they want to connect it not just to the original trilogy, but the prequel trilogy as well and make the whole saga feel connected. And yeah, that's feel what like I want. One yeah. story. <laughs> but, you know, knowing how jaded some people have gotten because of the prequels, they're like, okay, episode seven, we're going to, you know, just go right back to, you know, Han and Luke and Leia and X-Wings and TIE Fighters and just try to bring back those older fans and make it feel as much like the original trilogy as we can. And then once we've gotten people back on board with that, then start reintroducing little things here and there from the prequels. Like maybe we'll have Anakin's Force Ghost. Maybe we'll do, you know, a couple other things, whatever. Um, and then episode nine could be the return of Jar Jar and everyone would be happy. <laughs> that is the worst idea I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I will jettison I... you out the airlock for it. What was that one robot chicken where it's revealed that Jar Jar is the main Sith Lord? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was in the third one. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and and just to clarify, you know, when I said that's the worst idea I've ever heard, I'm not like the biggest Jar Jar hater out there. I'm also not the biggest fan, but um, I mean, I loved the character as a kid. I, I love him a little bit less now, but I still... I, like if I were to watch episode one, there's there are some moments that still crack me up, and there are some moments where I just groan and I'm like, "Why are you just getting in the way?" Um, but I mean, I can tolerate the character more than a lot of people can. But similar to what I just said with Hayden, I'm like, I just want to completely stay away from the controversy and the negativity surrounding a character like that. So I hope they just stay away from it for. Not for my sake, but for the sake of the reputation of the franchise. Yeah, because there's no other character who's the poster boy of why the prequels are so hated than Jar Jar. Exactly. Um, 
So, yeah, and, and not even just for the prequels. I mean, Jar Jar is the poster boy for, like, bad movie characters. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, hopefully they, they stay away from that. But anyway, um, oh, okay, yeah, so we were talking about, um, you know, just sort of connecting the the two trilogies, now the three trilogies, making everything feel more integrated. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much more we can add to this, but, you know, we'll, we'll just wait and see. Um but I, I do think it would be kind of cool. I mean, I guess me personally, I would like to see them do that, bring Hayden back as Force Ghost Anakin, just for like a small scene maybe to uh, to interact with Luke. But um, I mean, I just hope that people could get on board with it and not just jump to the conclusion that the movie's going to suck just because Hayden Christensen is in it. Yeah. Because like you said, I mean, part of it, yes, is his natural acting ability, but also, you know, with a, a great script and a great director – that alone can, uh, you know, make a, a better performance um, aside from just the actor. Like, there are only so many different ways you can deliver the line, you know, I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's you got to be like someone phenomenal to have that line come off as like really great and believable. <laughs> it's yeah. natural someone would say. But And the last thing I'll say about it too, if they're going to bring Hayden back, I mean, come on, let's get Ewan back too. <laughs> he's already said he's open for this. and Let's yes. get Obi-Wan and Anakin force, uh, as Forrest goes communicating with Luke. Oh, man. Yeah. Talk about well, a major geek out session that would be. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that would get a little too crowded. And especially because we've seen so much of Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan in the original trilogy um, to have Ewan McGregor suddenly playing the Force Ghost of Obi-Wan, I think might be a little bit jarring. And I think it would be better to have, I mean, if, if any Force Ghosts of, you know, older characters are going to show up, I think it should be Anakin. Um, cause he's the one that we haven't seen before, except for, you know, just that scene at, uh, you know, the end of Return of the Jedi. But, um, also, I mean, I still would like to see you and McGregor come back to play Obi-Wan in an anthology film set between episodes three and four. I think that would be cool. And that's something that, you know, kind of has been kicked around for a while. Um, you know, he has repeatedly said in interviews that he would like to come back and do it. So hopefully they can make that happen. Yeah. I kind of agree with you, what you're saying about maybe be it jarring were to have to create you and you and McGregor to look more older and like Alec Guinness, but I think if anyone could pull it off, it could probably be ILM with I mean, the stuff they're doing to de-age certain actors for movies. They could probably do a good job of making them age. And I know Ewan can give a great performance of like echoing those like classic Alec Guinness lines and like feel that he had in A New Hope. So mm-hmm. if anyone could pull it off, it would be ILM and Ewan McGregor. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure, I, I think they could. I just don't necessarily think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. And I don't th- even think ILM would need to do that like – They've been doing that for years with just makeup and, you know, facial stuff and everything to make young actors look old. Um, I, I think sure. it's a lot easier to make young actors look old than it is to make old actors look young. That's where they need the digital technology and stuff to. Yeah, but since we're an, an old Obi-Wan has already been established and how he looks, I mean, they maybe might have to do some tweaking with that to make him look more like Alec Guinness. So, I don't know. Yeah, well, that's true. But again, that's something where I just don't necessarily think that would really be necessary. And, you know, if he's going to have older force spirit characters sort of, or if Luke is going to have, you know, older force ghosts guiding him along, I think you really only need one. Yeah. And if if anyone, it would make sense for Anakin too, since it's his father that he never knew (laughs) he would be the one he'd probably want to communicate more with too. So 
Yeah, hopefully we're talking about all this stuff and it does happen and we're not just wasting our breath and our expectations where none of this happens because I'm getting excited about it just talking about yeah. this possibility. So, Yeah. Well, speaking of wasting our breath, let's move along here because uh, we're, we're getting kind of long and we've yeah. only just <laughs> finished talking about the movie stuff. Um, but we've also got some official details on uh, the new sort of Star Wars stuff that's coming out at Disneyland later this year. Um, and it's They've got this whole season of the Force experience that's uh, starting November sixteenth. Um, and this is, you know, it's separate from like the big Star Wars land that they're building. But um, they're going to be adding some smaller, newer stuff. Um, just you know, towards the end of this year in preparation for the Force Awakens. Um, so I mean, they're adding uh, new stuff to Star Tours. They're uh, making uh, Space Mountain into hyperspace mountain and sort of adding some star Wars themed stuff to that. So that's going to be pretty cool. Um, adding some new stuff to the, uh, the Jedi training experience where they're adding some characters from star Wars rebels. Um, and in addition, I mean, they're going to have this, uh, star Wars launch bay area. That's going to have, um, some galleries of, uh, you know, props and characters and starships and all that kind of stuff. So, um, should be some pretty cool Star Wars themed stuff going on there. I'm going to try to get out there and check it out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for and I think this is well, they've announced that it's starting on November 16th at Disneyland in California. Um, and it'll also be happening at uh, Hollywood Studios at Disney World in Florida. They just haven't announced exactly when that's starting yet. But, um, you know, for anyone who's got, uh, you know, the opportunity to go to one of those Disney parks around the end of this year, I think that'll be something pretty cool to check out. Totally. Yeah. When I heard that, I was like, so glad it's the Disneyland in California that has the date set <laughs> because I would hopefully be able to go to that pretty soon or when it starts in November. And probably what I'm most excited about is, uh, the new Star Tours edition that they're going to have. And we were talking about this before we were recording where when I saw that, I was wondering, well, what actually they're going to put from the Force Awakens into the updated Star Wars or Star Tours, right? Because I was thinking the only thing we've seen so far that could fit would be the Jakku sequence uh, that we saw the Millennium Falcon and the planet of the X-wing flying over. So I think Jakku might be a little similar to Tatooine, and maybe if there's a sequence on Star Killer Base that we haven't seen yet, that might be a little similar, too similar to Hoth. But then I figured. No, it's going to be the Jakku sequence because mm-hmm. there's a whole like ship graveyard of down Star Destroyer and X-Wing ships and stuff. How awesome that would be to fly through on Star Tours. I mean, just in that ending of the second teaser we got of the Falcon being chased by a TIE fighter inside a Star Destroyer. It looks so awesome. And imagine to experiencing that on a ride like Star Tours in 3D. I mean, yeah, that would be amazing to experience. So I think that's what's going to be that update they're going to have from The Force Awakens in there and despite it being on a similar looking planet as Tatooine, I think it'll be different enough where it's going to stand out as being something unique and just really cool to experience on a ride. So yeah, I can't wait for that. Yeah, for sure. And also, um, I mean, they have a Tatooine area level, whatever you want to call it on star tours right now, but it's just the pod race. And so even though it might look like a similar setting, I think it's different enough in the fact that, you know, on one you're racing pods and on the other one you're, um, you know, probably going to be following the Millennium Falcon and trying to shoot down or avoid TIE fighters and stuff like that. So I think they'll just be a totally different feel to like the pacing and the action of it. 
Um, plus the fact that with, uh, the pod race, you know, you're going through canyons and the, the rock arches and formations and all that kind of stuff. Whereas, like you said, with Jakku, I think this will probably just all be set out in that whole battle of Jakku wreckage graveyard with the, you know, going through the crash star destroyer and all that. So, um, yeah, I, I think it'll definitely be, even though the, the backdrop might look kind of similar, I think it's definitely going to be different enough that people are going to recognize like, oh, this is something new that wasn't there before. And like you were saying, too, when we were talking about it earlier, that is one of the main action sequences that they have been showing off in the two teasers. And if this is going to happen before the movie comes out, they're probably not going to want to have a different like end action sequence that they're going to show before the movie actually comes out. So it does make more sense that it would be that Jakku sequence. So, yeah, it's all I think it's all everything's lining up to where it will be that chase through the ship graveyard which like again i won't be complaining if that's it because it looks like it's gonna be an amazing sequence in the movie so to experience it firsthand on a ride like that yeah it's gonna be even better yeah now i wonder if just for this season of the force if they're gonna include that jack who uh you know part of the ride on like every time you go through um or if you're still gonna have to like ride it multiple huh. times to try to get that one because uh you know if you've ridden um, the new, yeah, the new Star Tours where it's got like the six, I think it's like six or seven um, different areas or sequences that you can take part in. And I mean, every time you write on it, you get a random two of them. Um, and so, you know, I know the last time we were there, we went on it, what, like three times or something like that, mm -hmm. trying to get some of the different ones. Um, so not that I don't enjoy writing Star Tours multiple times anyways, but if that were the case with this Jakku thing, I would definitely be writing that like over and over and over again until I got it. Yeah, that's a good point because what if people who like from out of state and trying to come to experience that new Force Awakens sequence and they go on it and they don't get it. <laughs> that was like their main um, reason for going and I'm sure Disneyland's going to promote that so much. So that is a good question. If it's going to be something you'll experience all the time on Star Tours, at least for a little bit, and then later on it'll just go into that random rotation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's too bad they're only adding the one area because you know maybe they could just do two, and then every time you get on it, it's just those two Force Awakens. Yeah. <laughs> but see, at the same time. For people who are able to stay there longer and ride it multiple times, you don't want them to get bored of doing the same thing over and over again when they're expecting to you know, be able to shake it up. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that's um, Disneyland. Now, um, also one of our other favorite things to talk about, Star Wars Battlefront. We've got a couple of uh, news items there. Um the the main one being that the beta for the game is going to be available starting October 8th, which is less than a week away, which is super exciting. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't... And that is, like I said, definitely something that we'll be giving some impressions of on our next episode. It's going to be available October 8th through October 12th. Um, so that is just checking my calendar here real quick. That's Thursday through that's starting Thursday of this upcoming week, um, and ends on uh, Monday of the following week. So, um, get to play it through the whole weekend with a couple extra days there. Um, and it's going to include three modes, uh, the Walker assault on Hoth, um, the drop zone on Sullust, which uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. That's a new uh, mode that they just announced. And then the survival mode on Tatooine. Um, and this is going to be, it's not like a beta that you have to sign up for and try to get into. It's going to be available for everyone 
on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and uh, on PC. I think even if you're playing it on PC, I think you can download it and install it on the starting the day before on October 7th, just so, you know, you can have that ready to go. Um, and then, you know, start playing the next day. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is going to be really exciting just to be able to get our hands on this. Um, it's basically, you know, because it's a beta test is a technical thing where I think mostly they're just trying to test like the server loads and the connections and all that kind of stuff. So there might be some connection problems. There might be some technical glitches or whatever, but, um, Man, I'm just excited to be able to jump in here and uh, get our hands on this. I know. Hopefully, things run smoothly. But even if it doesn't, as long as I just get a little taste of what the gameplay is going to be, I mean, that's all I'm asking for. Just a little tease before the game actually comes out next month. It's just going to be so awesome. And I was actually, I mean, I don't hardly played any betas before. So I think the only one I played for was Halo Reach like five years ago. And I don't remember how many maps or modes were included with that. I know it was pretty basic, but I was kind of surprised for this one. There was a few modes and not just one. Like I would just expect it to be the Walker Assault. But the fact that there's three of them, that's even better. And hopefully all of them run smoothly, but just gives us more variety to play through in those uh, few short days. But yeah, I think it's going to be awesome to experience just to get that taste and get us really hyped up for when the game comes out in November. So mm-hmm. yeah, next week is going to be awesome. Yeah. The only thing I'm disappointed about is that it doesn't include the uh, the Starfighter dogfight mode, um, which I'm really excited yeah. to get to play as well. But um, still, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's cool that we just get a variety of modes, um, especially that we get to play on the new planet Solus. We'll get to see a little bit of that. Um, also they announced that they're coming out with this, uh, this companion experience that will be, I think it'll be available on the website and then also, um, as a free app for iPhone and Android, um, that, and you know, I mean, a lot of games do this nowadays with these sort of companion apps where you can, um, track your stats and connect with friends and all that kind of stuff. I think there's also a mini, there's going to be a mini game on here, sort of like this tactical strategy card game kind of thing. Um, that you can earn credits from from playing the game that will actually transfer into the main uh, console game that you can uh, you know use to buy new weapons and stuff like that. So I'm sure I'm going to be tempted to be playing that all the time at work, and uh, hopefully I can still get stuff done. But um, <laughs> you know like... uh, that'll that'll be a, a fun way to sort of try to get a little bit of a leg up on the competition there. Like use the app in the day, and then Battlefront all night. <laughs> exactly, um, and they said this that uh, companion thing is going to be available during the beta as well. The app won't be out yet, but the uh, the companion experience on the website will be available during the beta. Um, which I mean, kind of defeats the purpose for me because if I'm at home and I can be in front of my computer doing that on the website, I'm just going to be on the Xbox One playing the game instead. But. Um, <laughs> You know, either way, that I mean, I'll still at least like log in to check it out and see what that's going to be like. And then they said that the app is going to launch sometime before November seventeenth when the uh, the actual game comes out. So, uh, yeah, definitely excited to check that out. Um, I think I don't know, maybe uh, once the beta launches and we're on there, we'll probably you know tweet out our uh, our Xbox One gamer tags or something like that. So if any of you guys out there are going to be playing on Xbox One, you can jump in and uh, play with us, and we'll shoot some rebel scum or take out the empire now why would we take out the empire of course we're going to crush the rebel scum yes i was just about to say that no way we're gonna be taking down the empire we're gonna be 
Well, we don't have Endor, so I was going to say we're going to be shooting Ewoks. On it's there. a good thing we don't have Endor or we'd lose. But Which no, is no, not how it's supposed to go. In November, we're going to rectify the mistakes in the Battle of Endor, and we're going to yes. win that battle. We're going to rewrite Absolutely. history. Um, yeah, but man, this is going to be so much fun. Um, I, I hope we don't get burnt out playing those three maps over and over again, over that, <laughs> and just over that weekend, you know, to the point where when the actual game comes out, it's like, okay, I want to do some dogfight. I want to play some Endor, but I do not want to do any more Walker Assault on Hoth. I'm burned out on that. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be the case, but if, if it need be, we need to space things out. It shouldn't be a problem, but yeah, I don't think by the time we're done with the beta and the game comes out, we're going to be just itching to play it all over again, so it won't matter yeah. if it's all levels we played before on the beta yeah in fact yeah once we get a taste of it and then it goes away like that is going to be an excruciating month-long wait yeah. till we get to uh get our hands on it again yeah but hopefully we'll um, have a force awakens trailer to keep us occupied and excited <laughs> yeah definitely um yeah and then um so just some more details on that drop zone mode um they're saying this is similar to uh like king of the hill style experiences in other games um, and it's basically something where it, they said it's uh, tight eight versus or eight versus eight matches. Um, there's like drop pods that drop down from the atmosphere onto planet surfaces, and then uh, the Rebel and Empire teams fight to capture and control these pods. So you know you locate a drop pod's landing site, you go to it, um, you try to capture it and uh, hold off the other team as they're trying to take it from you. So um, you know, sort of another. Um, smaller, intense, fast-paced kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, I just can't wait to try out, like, all these different game modes and all the different maps and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, yeah, like I said, we'll get to... Uh, this will be one of the things we'll get to get our hands on in the beta. So, um, definitely looking forward to that. Yep, keep the new modes announcements coming. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get more before the beta and until the game's released, because all of them are sounding really cool so far. So, keep Yeah, going. yeah, definitely. Um also, uh, speaking of games, we got um, Star Wars Uprising that just came out. Um, well, I was going to say it came out recently, but it's been out for a few weeks now. Um, came out shortly after our last episode. But, I mean, this is something we were looking forward to where um, this was supposed to be, uh, you know, a game set. Uh, you know, sort of the first game release, it was set after uh, Return of the Jedi and uh, had a story that takes place in that universe. Um I have to say, I mean, Tim, you've played this so far too, right? And yeah. uh, I don't know how far you've gotten in it, but for me, it was one of those things. I got it. I played it a lot for a little while, and uh, you know, now I haven't really done much with it in the past couple weeks or so. Um, I mean, it maybe just got a little repetitive for me, and the story is really kind of slowly unfolding. I mean, they did a lot of build up yeah. about the. Um, how this is going to take place in this big struggle between the Empire and all these different factions and the Anoet system where um, you would get to align with, like, assassins or diplomats or smugglers or whatever um, and try to, you know, sort of just this band of not really the Rebel Alliance but just other factions in this uh, system that sort of band together to fight the Empire. But then it starts out really in this kind of small-scale story where you're just sort of a smuggler for hire, you know, working with your sister and fighting with this crime boss. And, um, it's kind of like, Oh, okay. This isn't really what I was expecting. I guess I'll work my way up to the point where, 
um, you know, I'm fighting the Empire, and now I'm at, like, level 20 and, you know, several story missions in, and I've only had maybe, like, one or two encounters with Stormtroopers, and it's still just sort of a little fringe thing where, um, and I think the most recent mission I did, they were, like, sending me out to Hoth to collect scanner parts for some smuggler ship that was trying to get through an imperial blockade and so it's like okay now the empire is getting involved a little bit now but this still isn't really like the big epic scale story that they were um teasing from the beginning so it's clearly something that's designed to keep you playing for a long time and sort of slowly unfold over time but at the same time I think it starts off a little too slowly and doesn't really have a, a strong hook to grab you in and keep you playing for that long. But um, I don't know. I mean, it was it was fun for the time while I was playing it. The the action and the you know collecting gear and all that kind of stuff was pretty cool. But I don't know if I'm going to get back into being really invested in it. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I'm, I'm, you're probably a little further along with it than me. But yeah, the story is a slow burn. I mean, there's really not much any <laughs> anything to the story, quite frankly, to me. But, I mean, it is fun when you get into the gameplay aspect of it, equipping the weapons and armor, like you said, and having some shootouts with, like you said, right now, not so much stormtroopers, but other smugglers and droids and that type of stuff. But, yeah, it's one of those things where I don't play that much. I Maybe, like, twice a week like before I go to sleep or something like that. Like, looking at my phone and I see it there, yeah, I'll play it for a little bit. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to say I'm disappointed with it because I really didn't have much expectations going in. I just kind of went into it as a casual way, just as something to pick up and play when I'm in the mood. And that's kind of how I'm going about it right now. It's not something I'm heavily invested in, but when I do pick it up and play it, I still have a good time. But I don't know. Some of the character names are kind of ridiculous. Like what was the – I think the first uh, – smuggler or a crime boss you work for his name's happy yeah it's like like happy dap or something like that and honestly like before the game came out i think i think it had come out like in a beta test or something in some other countries um and so before it was out in the u.s i was like watching a gameplay video of it on youtube that somebody had uploaded and it was just you know starting from the beginning of the game and i'm just reading that opening crawl and i was like happy dap like, is this a prank video? Like, did they put this in there just for the beta? Like, they better change that by the time the actual game comes out. And then, sure enough, it comes out, and I'm like, nope, that's Happy Dap right there. <laughs> Might as well just call him Happy Dappy. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah, but like you said, it does take a little while to get going. And I don't think I've even gotten that far as you did. So I'm still waiting for it to, like, have a real strong Imperial presence there. So uh, yeah. we'll see how long I last with it. And maybe by the time I'm at the force awakens comes out i'll get into it a little bit more but yeah right now well, i mean you might pass me eventually because um you know you said you're just kind of playing it off and on a little bit but i was like fully engrossed in it for just a few days and then got to a point where i was like eh, i don't know if i want to stick with this yeah i'm still playing it right now i haven't fully dropped it so hopefully it won't get to that point where i'm totally done and not even picking it up anymore but yeah i mean i'm sure i'll get back to it at some point i haven't like deleted it off my phone yet or anything but um yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll I, see. That's kind of how I was with the trading card app. I mean, I lost interest in that a while ago, and I was desperate for memory on my phone, so I had to delete it. So, uh, See, I'm kind of the opposite with that because, yeah, I don't I mean, I was – I didn't even download that card trader app at first, and then I got really into it for a while, and then I kind of backed off, and now I've gotten back like fully into it to the point where I'm like collecting full sets of cards oh, and all okay. that kind of stuff. <laughs> Um, yeah, it didn't stick with me for whatever reason. Because 
certain days I just didn't log in and I was losing out on I think like some exclusive cards that would happen that day and kept getting the same things over and over. It's like, eh, what's I'm getting the same cards over mm-hmm. and over again, so I just won't log in today. And I just fell so far back behind where it's like, eh, I don't use it that much. I need memories. Sorry, but it's gonna have to go. Yeah, I know it is definitely something that like you've gotta if you're gonna go for it, you gotta really try to keep up with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But oh well. Um Yeah, but anyway, um yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it was a little disappointing for me just because, I mean, on the one hand, I, I guess I was happy with um, the fact that, at least as far as I can see so far, there aren't, uh, you know, what I was talking about earlier with, like, paywalls and stuff like that, where with yeah, free-to-play games, you know, there's no, like, energy resource management where, oh, you know, you every time you play a level, it burns one of your hearts or something like that, and then you have to wait half an hour before you can play again or pay to recharge your energy or something like that. Um, so, I mean, it, it really doesn't feel like it's trying to squeeze money out of you or anything. I mean, I think really the only stuff you have to pay for is, uh, you know, this currency that lets you get like really rare weapons and armor and you can get a little bit of that currency through mission rewards and stuff like that too. So, um, I mean, I've been able to get some good gear and stuff like that without having to pay actual money for it. But, I mean, the fact that I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, the gameplay is fun. The the free-to-play um, model of it is not too restrictive or anything like that. So this is going to be a good game. And they had been, you know, hyping up the story of it so much. And I was just like, man, this is not what they promised. So um, what I thought was going to be the strongest aspect of the game ended up being sort of the least exciting part of it. But... Yeah, this probably doesn't sound good for the game, but so far the best thing about it has been that cinematic trailer <laughs> they <laughs> yeah, showed to announce it. So. Well, yeah, because the, the story of the game hasn't really connected with that yet. Exactly. So, anyway, we've got Battlefront coming up in a month, so, you know, I'm not losing sleep over that. <laughs> Plus, for any of the uh, you know Old Republic fans out there, the Knights of the Fallen Empire expansion is coming out in, I don't know, sometime end of this month i'm not sure what the official release date of it is because um i know for subscribers which you know includes myself that we get like early access to it i believe october 19th so um yeah but that that's coming up here pretty soon as well so no shortage of uh, great star wars gaming content coming up here that's for sure if anything by the time battlefront comes out uprising might be forgotten <laughs> yeah um, and especially, have they released an announced a release date yet for that other um, that other Star Wars mobile game that's got like the collectible? Oh yeah, the RPG ones. And the yeah, yeah. I don't remember what that date was. I would think it wouldn't be too far off. I know it was this year, so yeah, yeah. I'm sure that'll be out before the Force Awakens comes out. Of course, with the way that they release mobile games, for all we know, that could drop like tomorrow. Yeah, it could be um, out already right now. We just don't know. <laughs> Well, I don't think that would be the case, but um, I mean, sometimes they announce release dates for these things like a month ahead of time. And sometimes it's like, hey, this is hitting the App Store tomorrow. And sometimes it's like, hey, this just hit the App Store. We had no (laughs) idea it was coming. Um, So anyway, that's all the gaming stuff. Um, And we've also got uh, a few juicy things to talk about with Star Wars Rebels as we get ready for that season premiere coming up on October 14th. Um, man, this is just a good month for Star Wars. So you could say that again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got the Battlefront beta. We've got the 
uh, Knights of the Fallen Empire expansion for the Old Republic. We've got Rebels premiering on the 14th and um, hopefully a new Episode 7 trailer. Yeah, that'll top it off. (laughs) Tickets going on sale and all that kind of stuff. So, Um, yeah, this will be pretty cool. But uh, they released a couple of new videos, one talking about the return of the clones and uh, just Dave Filoni and D. Bradley Baker talking about, you know, what it's like to be able to bring the clones back and sort of, um, you know, tell the stories of all that they've been through and sort of what their place in the galaxy is now. Just um, reminding everybody how awesome clones are, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in case you forgot. And just making me feel bad again for getting rid of those guys. Uh, yeah, I, I hope, Palpatine, you watched that video over and over and just... Sh- Shook your head in shame, like, what did I do? (laughs) But they served their purpose. They eradicated the Jedi filth from the face of the galaxy, except for that one Luke punk that they missed. (laughs) Well, I guess they missed Kenobi and Yoda as well. Uh, But Jango kept his word. They did their job well. Well, mostly well. (laughs) And then there was that one guy who lost his mind and tried to assassinate me on Coruscant. <laughs> he almost ruined your whole plan. He did. See, that's why I got rid of the clones. I thought it was a good idea, but then the stormtroopers <laughs> couldn't shoot straight. <laughs> what was the lesser of two evils? <sighs> I ask myself that very question to this day. How can you sleep at night? I don't. <laughs> I meditate through the force. Have you seen how wrinkly my face is? Does that look like a face that gets beauty rest? I didn't want to go there, but you brought it up, so yeah, I agree. <laughs> I have no shame. I'll go there whenever I want. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, clones are coming back. Um, we also got the names revealed of the two inquisitors, the the two new inquisitors from this season. Um, which are pretty intriguing because I think these names might hint at something else, um, but they're called the fifth brother and the seventh sister. Um, obviously pertaining to, you know, the fifth brother being the big male dude with the kind of embo looking hat and the seventh sister being the female one with the little probe droids and stuff who some of us still might think might be Barris Offy, but we'll see how that all plays out. Um, but I think it's kind of interesting that in season one, the Inquisitor was just called the Inquisitor, and now these guys are named the fifth brother and the seventh sister. I would kind of assume that that implies that there are several more Inquisitors out there, and the dudes are all numbered as brothers, and the women are all numbered as sisters. So um, I don't know if we'll find out that our Inquisitor from season one was... Uh, brother number X or if he was like the head honcho of all the Inquisitors and so he was just the Inquisitor and then they started numbering everybody else after him Um, but it'll be pretty interesting to uh, not only see these new characters in action but maybe get some insight as to how many Inquisitors there might be out there and sort of how they operate as a group yeah I was thinking the same thing is the fact that they're numbered speak to like their rank so it was like the fifth brother higher ranking than the seventh sister or the, just the number in which the order that they joined or something like that. So, and then I thought the same thing, what does that mean for the inquisitor we saw in season one? Was he the grand inquisitor, like brother number one and all that? But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be interesting if we do find out that stuff, but it was definitely something I wasn't expecting to find out their names to be like that. So just anything, this makes you more intrigued in just the whole role that the inquisitors have in the empire and, 
just something that Vader <laughs> established. Like, did he want them to be referred to as brother number whatever and sister number whatever, that type of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, I'm hoping we get these answers to that. I know sometimes there's stuff we can speculate on and we don't necessarily get it in like episodes of Rebels or Clone Wars from the past. So I'm hoping this is something that we do get fully explained to the reasoning behind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'll definitely be something cool to explore. Um, we also got a new video revealing who the voice of the Seventh Sister is, and that is uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, who is uh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s wife and uh, you know probably most well-known for playing Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, and I think we've known for a while that she was going to have a role in season two and it was some new character. We didn't know who it was. Then, uh, she posted a picture on Instagram of her with the princess Leia hair buns and everybody jumped to, Oh, she's playing Leia in season two. Um, and then I think probably like the next day or so, um, this video came out and we found out, okay, so she is playing a character, but that's not who she's playing. Um, but from this video, I mean, they show a, a couple of clips with this new character and you hear her voice and it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, um, it does. You know, it's kind of got like a, a modulation effect to it from, uh, behind that mask that she wears kind of similar to, uh, Ventress in her bounty hunter mask in the mm-hmm. later season of Clone Wars. So, um, yeah, I think she's, uh, definitely going to be an interesting character to watch. Yeah, it was definitely cool to see her in action. And like you said, hearing her voice, it does sound cool. And another interesting fact that was revealed in there that she it sounds like she was specifically sent out to hunt down Ahsoka. So mm-hmm. it makes well, me think. Yeah, because I think at the end of uh at the end of Siege of Lothal, um, when Palpatine sends or you know, is talking to Vader and he sends dispatch two more inquisitors to deal with them. Um, I mean, I guess he's talking yeah. about sort of the ghost crew as a whole, but now knowing that Ahsoka is working with them. so Well, I just found it interesting that it's, it, to me anyway, it sounded like it was just her and maybe the fifth brother has another assignment maybe to mainly focus on the rebels. But Vader mm-hmm. specifically told the seventh sister, like, your job is for Ahsoka. Leave the other rebels to the fifth brother. That's kind of how I took it. Maybe it is going to be like a general thing where both of them, or out hunting for Ahsoka, but it, to me it made it sound like she was specifically after Ahsoka, and I found that to be interesting. But, well, it could be, because also, I mean, we know the, the Inquisitors' jobs are, they're not just trying to hunt down the Rebels, they're specifically trying to hunt down any remaining Jedi, mm-hmm. so maybe Ahsoka is her target, and the Fifth Brother is supposed to deal with Kanan and Ezra. Um, yeah. Could be something like that, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and going back to the whole Barris thing, to me, it was sounding like if she was specifically assigned to hunt down Ahsoka, that would lead more into that. Mm-hmm. But I think now I'm kind of jumping off that train because <laughs> I don't know if you saw it. I think it was a Freddie Prince Jr. tweeted this out, but I think he was quoting the tweet saying that it, it is not Barris because of, I mean, to me, she looks a little similar, but there are differences too to make you think that it's not her. So to me, it was right. kind of gone either way, but the fact that Freddie Prince Jr. tweeted that out <laughs> kind of almost cemented the fact that she's not going to be Barris. But I do have another theory of who she could be. And maybe this was talked about online by other fans. I personally haven't seen it, but I'm sure there's been speculation about it. Um, I was just rewatching the Rebels Blu-ray set that came out and going through all the episodes. And when I got to uh, Breaking Ranks, where Ezra was in the Imperial Academy and he met Zara Leonis, and he's talking about his sister, how she was in the Academy, but she never came back and she got taken away. And we know that the Inquisitor goes down there to take a look at the recruits who are showing 
like high potential and are having impressive numbers, maybe seeing if they're force sensitive. So maybe Zaire's sister was one of those top ranking students and she had some force potential that she didn't know about. And when the Inquisitor went down there, took her away and she began her training and maybe she's now a fully developed new Inquisitor because we don't know how old she is. She could have been young when she went to the Academy, but now she's older. So, and I know it doesn't, she doesn't look like she could be related to Zaire, but it could be, I don't know, there could be other circumstances where maybe she looks different. So that's my theory right now. I think it's a possibility that the seventh sister might be Zaire Leonis' sister. Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily buy into that, but um, I mean, it is an interesting theory. I think for me, it's mostly just the fact that she doesn't look like him. Um, and of course, you know, the the dark side of the force can, uh, you know, do many things that some would consider unnatural or make you look unnatural. But um, at the same time, I think she looks like she's supposed to be part of an alien race, whereas Zare Leonis is clearly a human. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if uh, if I think that's going to be the case, but um I don't know. I mean, if she's not Barris, I don't necessarily expect her to be a, a character of any past significance or anything like that. I think she could just be a, a new character. Um, I'm actually yeah, it like, have to be. That's that's yeah. Good to say too, where it's not going to kill the character. She's someone brand new, anyway. So yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm like I just scrolling think- down Freddie Prince Jr.'s uh, Facebook feed right now, trying to see find that tweet that you were talking about. But I just think there needs um, to be some type of resolution to the thing they set up with Zara and his sister. I mean, they bring that out there and that's mm-hmm. kind of the main purpose of Zara as a character is why he's staying with the empire. And unless they're not going to bring him back, which I highly doubt, I think they're going to have to go back to that storyline of his sister too. And that yeah. to me, it just makes sense. Well, actually I have a friend who's been reading all the, uh, I guess the star Wars rebels, like young reader books. And he said, there's like a series of young reader books that's specifically following that storyline yeah. like they introduced Zero Leonis in the show and then through the those books they fall you know continue his storyline and his search for his sister and you know going through the Imperial Academy and all that I don't know if they'll just resolve that in those books or if they might you know get to a certain point and then sort of tie it back into the show um and I mean for all we know we certainly still could see his sister as an inquisitor at some point I just don't think it's going to be the seventh sister but I I do think that would be uh you know an interesting thing to uh, tie back into at some point yeah yeah that's true I do know about those books I just always hope that it would go back to the actual show to get that resolved as far as his main goal as a character to find his sister so yeah hopefully that's the case yeah hopefully um so let's see. We've got all that stuff. Um, now, Tim, you were able to uh, play the role of Bothan Spy the other day <laughs> and actually got to go to the Rebel, uh, the Star Wars Rebel Season 2 press day and screening of the first two episodes before they even did like the New York Comic Con thing, which we knew you know they were going to screen them in advance there. But you got to see it even sooner than that, you lucky son of a bantha. Um, so why don't you go ahead and, uh, you know, without spoiling anything for us, just give us a little bit of a a recap of, uh, you know, how that press day went and then maybe some brief impressions of, uh, of the season two premiere. Yeah. I was the Boston spy who survived too. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it was awesome. It was was so cool to get the invite from Lucasfilm and Disney to go to a press screening of that and go to a Q and a that had Dave Filoni, 
Vanessa Marshall, Ashley Eckstein, D. Bradley Breaker, <laughs> Breaker, D. Bradley Baker, and Freddie Prince Jr. So yeah, it was so cool to be a part of that. And the actual Q and A, I mean, it was the standard questions that were asked to Dave. I mean, he's the one who always gets the most questions. So, but there were some like reveals that he had in some of his answers. I mean, the first off is that we're going to get a brand new Star Wars Rebels trailer next week and they didn't give a day but i'm assuming it is going to be at new york comic-con where it's going to debut and dave was in a good move so he's i'm just going to say it anyway like expect there's going to be a big moment in the trailer that deals with sabine and mandalore because we knew that they're going to explore more of her backstory and what happened on mandalore but he did say there's a moment in the trailer that will make especially fans of clone wars he said they'll pick up on it right away and it'll make them go whoa that changes a lot he didn't say more mm-hmm. than that, but for fans of Clone Wars, like we all are, it should be something that's a pretty big deal once we see that trailer. So that was a cool I need surprise. It now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I, I had heard that that he said there will be a new trailer and that there'll be a big moment about Sabine and Mandalore. But you know that extra stuff that you just added in there about fans of Clone Wars being like, "Oh, this changes everything." I'm like, "What is it?" I know. <laughs> it's like, uh, where is it? Like, can you show it now at this Q and A just for us too? <laughs> but yeah, that was a cool thing to look forward to. And then they wanted to say how season two was going to pretty much for every character of the ghosts, we're going to get background stories. And like I talked about Sabine on Mandalore, we're going to get two episodes that deal with Hera. One that has to do with her being a pilot, which I think is going to be that B wing episode. And then one about her family on Ryloth and why she's still not on Ryloth fighting with her father champs and doula so that would be interesting to see also and then he also said too how sabine he didn't necessarily say this is going to be in season two but where they're at right now in production of rebels sabine's status as a character is going to elevate to where she's going to be just as important as ezra is to the overall story which Mm -hmm. i found real interesting because they made it a point to say that as they move forward they want to focus a lot on the younger characters like sabine and ezra and how they're dealing with this role, this war with the Empire. So I thought that was a pretty big reveal because I think for season one anyway, I think a lot of people felt Sabine was the one who was the least established as a character. And the fact that in season two and beyond, she's going to become such an important character. It's going to be pretty cool to see. And then he also mentioned too, Chopper is going to even get a, get a background story. <laughs> He's going to say, <laughs> we're going to find out how Hera found him and said it's pretty important too. And that he will also get a friend, <laughs> a new droid sidekick. <laughs> But Freddie Prince Jr. said it is a joy that he won't knock out <laughs> of a flying <laughs> airship. So Chopper is making progress. So a lot of cool stuff like that. And then Dave Filoni, I mean, always hearing him talk Star Wars is always great. I never get tired of that. And just hearing him talk about it in person was just made even better. I mean, he goes on to say how one thing I always like hearing him is saying how just how much he loves the prequels and defends them. And how even though he knows they get flack from people, is like, he says, you know, I don't care. I love them. I know how important they are to Star Wars. So I got to be true to that and what George has taught me. And I just got to be true to Star Wars and the characters and the story of it more than what fans may complain about or what they may want to see. Like, as much as we appreciate the fans and take it to, like, their input as far as what they want, you got to serve the story of Star Wars first. And that includes something from the prequels, and that's what it's going to have to be. So I just enjoyed hearing that from Dave. So... The whole Q&A was really cool. I mean, it went by fast. It said it was like 45 minutes of what it's going to be. It felt like 20 minutes had <laughs> gone by so fast. So that was great. But then we actually saw the episodes beforehand. And like you said, I won't go into spoiler details, but 
knowing how much I love the clones, it was really cool to see. I loved them, especially the second episode, which is called Relics of the Old Republic. I mean, and <laughs> you saw the sequences of the trailer of the fight they're going to have on the ATTE against the ATATs, and that fight sequence or action sequence didn't disappoint. It was awesome. <laughs> it was really cool. And the story stuff we got, here's what I liked about it. We do get some explanation of what happened to them post-Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith, but at the same time, it raises more questions, too. We don't really know what Rex, Wolf, and Gregor were up to during that time period. And like I said, I won't go into spoilers, but there are things that they say in there that made me go, huh, I didn't expect that from them, or are they hiding something else? So I don't know. <laughs> we're going to have to wait and see. To this. But they did say that we're, are, they are going to go back and tell more stuff like between him and Ahsoka, Rex and Ahsoka as far as what happened to them post-Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith. So definitely anxious to find out why because it left me wanting to know more of what happened during that time period with Rex and some of the other clones. So all that stuff was great. And then his interaction with Kanan, we knew beforehand that Kanan was not going to be so <laughs> easy to trust the clones and wanting their help. And Freddie Prince Jr. did a great job in this episode of selling that and just making you really believe why Kanan does not trust these clones for what he's been through, especially if you've been reading the Kanan comic. It's just going to add more weight to that. So, yeah, I was really happy with these episodes, especially as a big fan of the clones. I think any fans of Clone Wars is going to be ecstatic, especially the final scene in this episode. In these two-part episodes, it's going to make Clone Wars geek out. <laughs> Maybe even a little emotional, too. I'll just leave it at that. But, yeah, it was definitely met my expectations. I just can't wait for everyone to see it. I think they're, they're going to love it. I mean, we had the awesome premiere of the Siege of Lothal with Darth Vader. And then it's just continuing on with more awesome stuff with the clones coming back. So maybe it's not on the same epic scale as the Siege of Lothal was. But the fact that we're getting Rex and more clones back, yeah, it was awesome. So you guys are going to be in for some great episodes when it premieres on October 4th. Can't wait for you all to see them. So we could, I could talk about it. We could all talk about it, go into more spoiler-heavy details of what happens there. So, yeah, it was awesome. I just have to force joke you one more time because you said October 4th and not 14th. And as much as I would love for these episodes to be premiering <laughs> tomorrow, they're not premiering for another week and a half. Oh, forgive me, my emperor. I'm not going to survive the episode. Don't fail me again. Look. <laughs> don't call me out on quoting Vader's line either. He's not here. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> oh, man. I like to say three, three strikes are out, but I think I went over that limit already. <laughs> yes, well, you're lucky I don't watch baseball. <laughs> Kyle does, but Emperor Palpatine does not. He cares not for such trivial things as balls and strikes. <laughs> Oh, man. There's got to be a Nicole event to baseball in the Star Wars Galaxy somewhere. There just has to be. Well, we saw the, we saw the football equivalent on uh, Attack of the Clones when they're looking at that monitor in the bar. Yeah. I mean, in the Old Republic, there is a game called Hutball. That's um, <laughs> a. I mean, it's it's not the like a spectator sport necessarily. It's actually one of the um, like the PvP uh, multiplayer modes, but um, that's kind of more like keep away or capture the flag or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> well, there needs to be an official canon version of baseball in Star Wars. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's one in some EU book somewhere. Um, 
We have pod racing. That's all we need in Star Wars. <laughs> I guess. Um, all right. So we've recapped all the Star Wars Rebels stuff. Um, now, to close out here, we'll talk about some books and stuff like that. But also, they just announced um, within the past, I don't know, week or so that um, they're coming out with what they're calling the ultimate editions of all of the original Star Wars soundtracks. Um and this is coming out January 8th, 2016. There's going to be three different versions, the Ultimate Vinyl Collection, the Ultimate Soundtrack Edition, which is um, the CDs, and then the Ultimate Digital Collection, um, which, you know, each one basically is a collection of the soundtracks of all six Star Wars movies. Now, I know for us and several other fans, we were disappointed that this so-called Ultimate Edition um, does not include the extended sort of, um, I don't know, what do you, full recordings or whatever you call them, um, the longer soundtracks for any of the prequel movies. Um, there was a an extended soundtrack for Phantom Menace that was released you know, several years ago, but they never did that for Episode 2 or Episode 3, and I know a lot of people were hoping, like, oh, are we finally going to get those for Episodes 2 and 3? Well, no, we did not. Um, I'm assuming that probably part of the reason for that is that episodes two and three reuse so much music from, um, you know, from some of the previous prequel movies, um, and you know, some themes from uh, from the original trilogy as well. That maybe they just didn't feel it was worth putting out sort of an ultimate edition when, if you were only going to include original music, it would probably only be like a few more tracks. Um, but still, I mean, I'd like to have those. The thing for me that I most want to have is just the soundtracks in order. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, what really bugs me is especially on the episode three soundtrack, there are some tracks where you'll have like a, a five minute, you know, track that's just listed as one thing, but the first two minutes are from something at the beginning of the movie. And then like the last three minutes are from a different scene in the middle of the movie. And I, I like to go through and listen, like, especially when I listen to soundtracks from movies or video games or whatever. Um, I like to, you know, sort of put the tracks in chronological order on a playlist mm -hmm. and just listen to it, you know, almost as if you're just watching the movie in order. Um, and it's really hard to do that when they, you know, they mash together some of those tracks like that. Um, so I, I wish that we had a, a longer soundtrack that had all those separated, but unfortunately that is still not the case. I know, like you said, I was one of those people where I saw the headline ultimate edition soundtrack, like, Oh yes, finally episodes two and three, like, uh, no, that's just the title for this whole collection that they're releasing, which was disappointing. But I know exactly what you mean. Just the track listing alone, or the order of how the songs are played on the original soundtrack that came out for episode two and three, still always bugs me a little bit. In particular, episode two, because after you get the opening crawl, and it immediately goes straight to the music that plays when Obi-Wan arrives on Kamino, which is in mm -hmm. the middle of the movie, not at the beginning. So like, uh so that's, I was expecting to hear that since it came out before the movie actually premiered. I was expecting to hear that song right after the crawl, and I didn't hear it until later on. So little things like that still bugs me about it. But another cool thing is that it's going to come bundled with uh, the special DVD that came out. Like the I'm blanking on the name right now. Yeah, <laughs> Star Wars A Musical Journey. Yeah, that was a DVD collection that... Pretty much what if you anyone went to Star Wars in concert, the videos that played with that and the music that accompanied it, that was taken from that musical journey DVD. And it was really cool. So if anyone didn't get that 
DVD when the Revenge of the Sith soundtrack came out and missed Star Wars in concert, I would definitely recommend picking that up for that because it was pretty cool. And just something to pop in where if you want to experience some of the Star Wars stories without watching all six movies, you can pop that in and get uh, a good taste of that with the music. So I thought that was really cool. I'm glad that they're re-releasing that again because I loved it. Yeah, same here. Um, and honestly, for me, I mean, that's probably the biggest incentive to buy this collection because I've already got all of the six soundtracks in my iTunes. Um, also, uh, one thing to note, the digital collection does feature, um, I guess, for the first time available, it's going to have the high-definition um, soundtracks, um, which basically is... I'm not exactly sure what audio file it is, but it's not your standard MP3 or... Um, I know whatever else they use on iTunes now with like, it's like AAC or something like that. But, um, it's a, a higher quality audio format. Um, basically, you know, the equivalent to like HD video, it's a, a much bigger file size that doesn't play on, you know, your standard like iPhone or MP3 player or something like that, but they do make specialized music players, um, that can, you know, store those files and play them. And then you also can usually play them through, you know, iTunes or I don't know about iTunes, but like, uh, QuickTime or Windows Media Player or whatever you've got on your computer. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty cool for people who are, you know, audio files and want those high quality audio files. Um, whoever did, came up with the word audio file, you know, was, that's way redundant. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, I mean, that that's pretty cool. But, Again, for, I mean, as much as I like having, like, the highest possible quality version of something for the price that I'm sure this is going to cost for, you know, the bundle of all six soundtracks for something that I can't keep on my iPhone, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'm even going to go for that one. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, for the the CD collection that comes with the uh, the DVD of Star Wars and Musical Journey, like I said, that's probably the biggest incentive for me to buy it if I decided that I were going to. Um, cause I actually had that DVD years ago cause it was also bundled with the Revenge of the Sith soundtrack when that came out. Um, but I have since misplaced that and have no idea where it is. So, um, I mean, I wonder if they might just sell that separately or, you know, if there'd be a way to get that from somewhere, I don't know. Um, but you know, that, that certainly is, uh, I mean, it's cool that that collection is going to be out there. I just feel like a lot of fans have that by now, but for anyone who likes, uh, Star Wars music and wants to, uh, you know, get these soundtracks and doesn't have them all yet. Or, um, you know, someone who's got them on digital on iTunes or whatever, but you want to have the physical CD collection or get the whole vinyl collection and you've got a record player to play them on. Um, that'll be out January 8th. Actually, for some reason, I just realized I'm like, yeah, these are coming out on my birthday. And for some reason that date didn't even register the first time I read it, but, uh, that's kind of cool, I guess. It makes me think, too, um, it's coming out January. Why wouldn't they bundle the Force Awakens soundtrack in there, too? Uh, I don't know. That is a good question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know why they're putting them out, because if the Force Awakens soundtrack is out there, if people right. don't have the original ones yet, let's re-release those. But you think they want to bundle them in one complete set, so I don't yeah. know. Well, maybe they're actually being kind to the fans and not trying to squeeze out all our money by, you know, <laughs> waiting till episode nine comes out to release the complete saga soundtrack edition with, uh, you know, episodes seven, eight, and nine bundled in there and not just doing a new bundle every time one of them comes out. Yeah. It's unexpected that they wouldn't do that, but yeah, maybe they are taking that into account. Yeah. And they might do the same thing with the Blu-rays. Oh, I don't know if they'll do that. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, we haven't heard any announcements about uh, you know episodes one through seven box set. Not yet. Yeah, Maybe but, once we get the Force Awakens Blu-ray announcement, then they'll fill that in there. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, so there's that, um, and then um, they get, we've got the announcement of some uh, new Force Awakens books coming up as well. Um, I mean, we had sort of the first wave was Force Friday, and now we've got a bunch more coming out December 18th, the day the movie comes out, obviously. Um, and I think, what is it, like, the audiobook comes out December 18th of The Force Awakens, and the actual novel isn't going to be on shelves till like, a week later or something like that? I think it's the digital version. Or, yeah, the, the digital version. Yeah. Um, I knew it was something digital, but, yeah, so it's, like, the one that you'd read on your, your iPad or your Kindle or whatever. Um, but then, yeah, the physical copy isn't going to be out till a while later, but, um, also coming out on December 18th, um, there's going to be a book called Star Wars Before the Awakening. That's sort of a, a companion piece to the Force Awakens and the journey to the Force Awakens novels. Um, and it says this is going to be an anthology book that focuses on the lives of Ray, Finn, and Poe before the events of Star Wars The Force Awakens. Um, so that'll be pretty cool. And I'm it's assuming awesome. <laughs> it's going to be, I mean, because it says an anthology, you know, maybe not like just one novel that, you know, ties in all those characters, but maybe either a collection of novellas or sort of shorter stories that, uh, you know, tell some of the backstory of each of those characters. Again, you know, just like we were talking about earlier, yep. um, you know, I'm sure this will go into a lot more detail than the actual movie will, but that is definitely something I'm going to want to check out. Um, Definitely, especially that it's being written by Greg Rucka, who's already doing an awesome job with Shattered Empire from that first issue. Yeah. So. Oh, see, that's where I know that name from. I'm yeah. like, where have I heard that name before? Yeah, Shattered Empire. And the first issue of that was just fantastic. Yeah, I can't wait for this book. <laughs> it's going to be awesome, especially yeah. coming out right after we see the movie and knowing that we're going to want to find out as much more information as we can about these new characters. And we're just going to have the book right out there. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yep. Definitely. Um, we're also getting the Force Awakens Visual Dictionary. Uh, um, another one I can't wait for. Yep, something else I'm probably going to have to pick up or at least like sit down in Barnes & Noble and skim through it and just look at all the pictures of Kylo Ren's mask and lightsaber and all that other cool stuff. I'm just glad it's in the same tradition as the older uh, Visual Dictionary books that came out for the prequels and the one that came out for the original trilogy. You pretty much got the main bad guys front and center on there because the original trilogy is Darth Vader, then you got Darth Maul for episode one, Django for episode two, and Grievous for episode three, and now Kylo Ren for episode seven. So I'm glad they didn't change how the cover format was for these books, because I always liked that. And then Kylo Ren just continuing the tradition. It looks great. Oh, see, well, I guess I must have, like, the whole saga, the visual dictionary, because mine's got Yoda on the cover. Yeah, that was, once all of them came out, they put out that big book, but I got all of them individually, so (laughs) that's how I remember them as, so. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I have absolutely no complaints about uh, our favorite Kylo Ren mask being there on the cover. Um, and, you know, try not to be too sad about the uh, absence of Captain Phasma. But, yeah, I mean, um, that's the one bummer about the cover. But I will say, too, with this and uh, the Before the Awakening book, I do love seeing Finn in his Stormtrooper armor. Because lately we've been seeing him in his just standard clothes with that jacket and not mm-hmm. so much in the Stormtrooper gear. So glad that's making a comeback again. Yeah. Um, and then we've also got a book called Ray's Survival Guide. Um, it says, complete with stories, secrets, and insight, this guide will immerse readers in the world of Star Wars The Force Awakens. Discover what you need to survive the hostile planet Jakku. What secrets lurk inside the ship graveyard? What do you want to salvage? What do you, or what should you avoid to stay alive? 
um, includes gatefolds with exclusive artifacts, including starship schematics and more. So it sounds like this is kind of in the, along the same vein as like the, um, the Jedi and Sith and bounty hunter, uh, sort of guidebooks that they've come out with before. Um, then there's also uh, a book called Han and Chewie return. And this is a, uh, I guess it's like an eight by eight, maybe uh, kind of more of like a kid's storybook kind of thing. Or it says, yeah, it says Han Solo and Chewbacca return in a heroic new adventure set in a galaxy far, far away. So um, I'm guessing this is sort of more of a, a young reader thing, if anything, just because the square cover makes me think this is more of like a story picture book. Um, and then there's one called uh, Five Minute Star Wars Stories, which, you know, again, is um, from the, the cover. This cover art is actually kind of cool looking, but... Um, I mean, this is pretty cool. This is probably like five minute bedtime Star Wars stories you could read to your kids or something like that. Um, and it seems like it's going to kind of span the whole saga because it's got prequel Obi-Wan on there. It's got Vader and Leia and Rey and Finn and BB-8 and the Death Star and X-Wings and TIE Fighters and stuff on the cover. So, um, yeah, lots of new books coming out. Then also, um, I don't think I mentioned this one yet, um, but the art of Star Wars The Force Awakens is also coming out on the 18th. And, uh, man, just from the cover image of this book, I'm like, I need that. Um, and if, (laughs) you know, if you haven't seen this article or haven't seen the picture already, it's, uh, basically, I mean, probably some early concept art of what we end up seeing, uh, of that first shot of Kylo Ren in the first teaser trailer where, um, you know, he's in a forest, it's snowing. We see him from the back and he's igniting the, uh, that new lightsaber, and the reason I'm assuming this is an early concept is because the lightsaber blade actually looks relatively normal compared to, uh, you know, how we see it in the trailers where it's all, you know, sort of jagged and like crackling with energy. This kind of looks like just a normal red lightsaber blade. It's still got, you know, the two cross blades coming out at the hilt, but it doesn't have that sort of fiery, unstable look to it. So, um, but man, I mean, it's just such a cool image and I'm sure there's going to be a whole lot of other uh, great looking artwork and imagery in that book. So that's probably the one that I'm most excited for about, although the, um, that sort of anthology book with the Ray and Finn and Poe Dameron stories, that's uh, probably right up there as well. Yeah. I told you this, like when these got announced that I think this is going to be more of my force Friday because I do prefer getting as much books as I can rather than the action figures and knowing how much, Great books look to be coming on this day. I can't wait. And there was even more that StarWars.com mentioned, but they didn't have any like descriptions or pictures on it. Like Star Wars Finn and the First Order. I mean, that's going <laughs> to probably be a really cool book to get to. And this other one's like the Force of, or Star Wars The Fork, <laughs> the fork Awakens. <laughs> Use the folks, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I can't talk tonight. <laughs> but Star Wars The Force Awakens New Adventures and... And then it also mentions like the novelization, the junior novelization, but so many great books, like the art book, like you mentioned, that cover by Doug Chang. I mean, he's a uh, phenomenal artist just on the prequels. So to get more new concept art for him is going to be cool to flip through. And like I said, the visual dictionary, man, I, not even to mention the Force Awakens soundtrack that comes out. So I, I just can't wait to have that feeling where we see the Force Awakens the night before and then the next day you get up and then just go out and get more the force awakens content with the books and the soundtracks and then if you want after you get all that stuff flip through them go see the movie again so it's going to be such an awesome two days yeah i I think my schedule that day is going to be more like see the movie the night before spend all night 
talking to people about the movie, you know, whether it's <laughs> friends that I go to see it with or, you know, it's Skyping with you and Paul and some other people and, uh, you know, tweeting about it and being on Facebook and all that stuff, then get probably like three or four hours of sleep, get up, go see it again in the morning, then get all these books, come home, read the books, probably fall asleep reading the books, wake up, go see the movie again. <laughs> oh, yeah. that Something like along a, those lines. That sounds like a great day to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, as if we needed more reasons to get excited for December 18th. But um, yeah, obviously some great looking books here. Can't wait to pick up some of these. Um, and also speaking of books, um, there's the Star Wars Reads Day that was um, announced for 2015. It's going to be um, on October 10th, and there'll be like some different Star Wars reading events in different cities across the country. So um, actually across the world, there's going to be some in other countries as well. So that's pretty cool. Um, if you want to check that out, we've got the link to it on uh, you know our website and on our social media pages and stuff. So you can go and check out the full list of all the stuff that's going on there. Um, now, lastly, before we wrap up here, um, I know we said we wanted to talk about several of the more recent, um, you know, some of the books and comics and stuff that have been coming out. Um, but since we're already kind of running along on time and since there's so much great stuff to talk about, um, we thought that maybe for the next few episodes, we'd kind of, um, just spend some time at the end of each episode, uh, talking about one of the, the recent books or something like that. So today we're going to start with, uh, Dark Disciple, which is, um, you know, something I've wanted to kind of cover for a while now. Um, and it's been out for a few months now, so hopefully we can get into, uh, you know, some spoiler territory and not spoil it for too many people. Um, if you haven't read it yet and you're still wanting to, uh, you might not want to listen to this, but I will say before you go, it is an awesome book. If you're a fan of Clone Wars, you should definitely go check it out. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll just kind of talk about that for a little bit. And then, you know, on some of our next few episodes, we'll talk about Star Wars Aftermath. We'll talk about some of the comics with, uh, you know, the main line and Darth Vader and uh, Rebels and Shattered Empire and some of those other ones. So um that'll be something we'll, we'll be doing at least for the next few episodes here i don't know if we'll it'll be a long-term thing because uh i don't know it depends on when new books are coming out and stuff like that but um i know we, tim i mean we've both finished dark disciple right mm-hmm. yeah and um i mean i don't even know where to start but great <laughs> it's it just a great uh extension of uh you know clone wars stories um, and again, I mean, something I really wish we could have seen brought to life on the screen, but, um, and I guess to give a, a brief summary of it, um, it starts with a, a Republic mission to this planet. I forget the name of it, but it's basically the separatists have invaded this planet. Um, the, the people of the planet have called the Republic for help. The Republic kind of gets there too late to fight off the separatists and liberate the planet. Um, and the separatist forces are just overwhelming them. So instead they decide to just try to evacuate as many of the civilians as they can and relocate them. Um, and you know, they're, they're leaving on transport ships heading for the separatist blockade and, uh, Count Dooku basically like sends a holographic broadcast to the Jedi temple of his forces, just wiping out these transports, massacring, you know, thousands of innocent people along with, you know, clones and Republic staff and people like that. Um, and the Jedi council is just like, this has gone long enough. Uh, you know, this might seem controversial or unorthodox, but we just need to kill Count Dooku. Um, you know, it might seem sort of like an evil thing to do to just try to straight up assassinate somebody, but, 
the the reward far outweighs the risk. Like we're doing this for the greater good of the galaxy for as long as this guy's alive and the Clone Wars continue, more people are just going to keep dying. We need to put an end to this. So to do that, they uh, they they give the assignment to Quinlan Vos, who is uh, you know a Jedi who we've seen before on in just one episode of the Clone Wars and who a lot of EU fans are familiar with um, from his. Uh, Clone Wars uh, comic storyline that's kind of similar to what he goes through in this episode because um, basically he is uh, really good at sort of tracking and going undercover and I mean he's he's really an unorthodox Jedi in the sense that um, I mean you've seen if you've seen him in the episode Hunt for Zero you know he uh, you know kind of has a, a laid back attitude and maybe isn't the most sort of um, you know, proper and rule-abiding Jedi that you might expect, but he he really does have a talent for sort of blending in in the underworld and stuff like that. So they're like, okay, this guy can go undercover, he can get close to Dooku, do what he needs to do, and then take him out. Um, and also to help him get close to Dooku and to learn his his strengths and weaknesses and learn how to fight him, they bring in Asajj Ventress, um, and... I don't know where they where they go from there is basically you know sort of the first part of, part of Voss's assignment is to get close to Ventress to learn about Dooku through her and to sort of coerce her into helping him kill Dooku without letting on to the fact that he's a Jedi um because you know the the Jedi council doesn't really feel comfortable asking for her help they don't want to um you know, sort of have her feel betrayed and feel like, oh, this is just the Jedi using me. They want to sort of willingly get her to help Voss take out Dooku. Um, so then this sort of long game goes where he's, you know, undercover trying to get her help. And meanwhile, sort of starts developing feelings for her. And uh, I mean, they end up in a relationship, basically. She ends up sort of turning him to the dark side. Um, basically, I mean, not even trying to turn him evil, but teaching him that you need to, I mean, just because of how powerful Dooku is and because he can use the dark side, she's like, here are some dark side force techniques that you need to learn to uh, be able to fight Dooku. And yeah, through... like, if you want him dead, you have no other choice. To yeah, exactly. Do stuff with the dark side. Yeah, which sort of mirrors what the Jedi Council is doing in the first place by mm-hmm. going on this assassination mission. But yeah. um, so, I mean, between... Uh, Voss, you know, learning this dark side power and between him, you know, getting romantically and emotionally involved with Ventress, it sort of leads him into some gray area where the Jedi start to wonder, uh, you know, what's happening with him. He's supposed to be in contact with Obi-Wan every two weeks or so to let him know how the mission is going and he kind of stops checking in. Um, And, you know, it eventually leads you to sort of wondering, like, well, has he turned to the dark side? Has he not? Is he still trying to go through with the mission? Um, and basically it all ends up where, um, he and Ventress get to, uh, Dooku's palace on Sereno, uh, or actually, no, I think it's in, it's, uh, is it Raxus where they fight yeah. him for the first time? Yeah. Um, and you know, they, they fight Dooku, he wins, he takes Voss prisoner and, uh, then sort of tries to turn Voss even further to the dark side by revealing to him that Ventress was the one who killed his Jedi master, which actually is true. And at the beginning of the book, um, that's sort of one of the first things Ventress tries to hide from. She tells him that Dooku killed his master. Um, but Voss has this spe- this unique force power where he can touch an object and um, 
sort of see like a vision of sort of the history of that object and the people connected to it and things like that. So Dooku gives him his master's old lightsaber because Ventress and Grievous have been keeping all these lightsabers as trophies of the Jedi that they've killed. So he touches his master's old lightsaber and immediately, you know, sees the vision of Ventress killing him, um, which turns him even further down the dark side. Now sort of the, the, Later half of the book is a little bit hard to explain because there's sort of so much back and forth with the whole, you know, is he good? Is he bad? But um, eventually, you know, he he sort of I mean, at first he tries to kill Ventress the next time he sees her, knowing that she killed his master. Then he sort of gets over it um, and and wants to be with her again. And she reluctantly agrees because she still feels that there might kind of be some darkness in him. And then they go forth still trying to kill Dooku. Um, and actually there's one point where Voss basically has the opportunity to kill Dooku, um, but lets him live because he believes that Dooku will lead him to Sidious and he can, you know, take out the, all the Sith at once. Um, which then doesn't really work out. Dooku ends up betraying them. Um, and actually, you know, the, the sort of the big spoiler in the ending of the book, uh, Dooku kills Ventress. He's trying to kill Voss, and Ventress, you know, pushes him out of the way, steps in the way of Dooku's force lightning. Um, and sort of it's it's sort of this uh sort of dual resolution, I guess, where Voss is uh, you know, is fully back on the light side, and Ventress uh sort of comes full character with her story arc where she sacrifices herself to um save, you know, a, a Jedi and someone that she loves and um, and I mean, that's sort of the, the five minute version of it. There's a whole lot more to the story, but I thought it was a really great resolution to her character. Um, unfortunately, I, I feel like this would have been even better. Like if for some reason, if there's anyone out there who, you know, has watched all of Clone Wars and wants to read this and hasn't seen Revenge of the Sith yet, I think it'll be a lot more suspenseful because you don't know that both Dooku and Quinlan Boss survive into episode three. So, you know, towards the end, as the stakes start getting pretty high here, I'm starting to feel like, eh, this is probably going to be it for Ventress because, um, you know, we know that Voss or Dooku can't die and it's starting to feel like something's got to give here, you know, somebody's going to go. Um, but I, I thought it was a really sweet resolution for her character to see again, you know, someone who, when we first meet her has so much hatred and anger. Um, and then all the, the twists and turns that we've seen her story take over the course of the Clone Wars to see her finally, um, you know, sort of find something that she thinks is worth fighting for, um, in someone that she cares about rather than just attacking, you know, whatever she's pointed at, uh, you know, like Dooku's attack dog or whatever, um, or just doing as she's told, she's finally, you know, free to make her own choices and, and fight for her own causes and, you know, eventually dies for that. But, um, you know, to, to see her sort of come back around and sort of redeem herself and end up being a, a good character. Um, and then there was just, you know, this really sort of heartbreaking moment at the end where earlier in the book, they spend a lot of time on Dathomir and that's where, um, Voss, where she trains Voss in the dark side and, uh, there, you know, obviously she, she sort of goes a lot into her connection with the Night Sisters and how devastated she was when Dooku showed or when Grievous showed up there with the droid army and wiped them all out. Um, and so, like, as Voss is holding her dying in his arms at the end of the book, she says something about, you know, oh, it's okay. Like, now it's my time to go back to my sisters or they're waiting for me or something like that. So, um, I mean, even though she died, it was like she found peace in a way and, 
you know, sort of able to go back there. So, um, yeah, I mean, but overall I thought it was great. And there's, you know, again, stuff that we didn't get to, but, um, some great stuff with Obi-Wan and the Jedi council in there as well. And some clone action that would have been pretty cool to see. So, um, overall, yeah, like I said, I thought it was a, a great story and just another great, uh, Clone Wars arc that I'm so glad we at least got to get in some form after the show ended. Definitely. I mean, this is a book and a story that if you're a Clone Wars fan, I think it's a must read. Yeah. <laughs> you have to read it, especially since it resolves or concludes the story of Ventress. I mean, every Clone Wars fan would want to know that. So just in that aspect, you should read it. But thankfully, it's a great story. It would have made a fantastic eight episode arc. <laughs> it has mm-hmm. the episode names in the beginning of the book. So it would have been amazing to see that on screen. But yeah, like you said, great moments of characterizations with Ventress and Voss. You really bought into the relationship that they had and the just in the book, the chemistry that they would have uh, that they did develop in the story and would have been awesome to see on screen. Because I'm sure the voice actors would have done an amazing job. But what's also was cool when I was reading it, the little glimpses we got of those episodes, that celebration from the Untold Clone War Stories panel, this added a little bit to more visually and helped enjoy the experience of reading it because you could kind of picture what's going on, like that whole chase sequence in mm-hmm. the beginning where Ventress is trying to get her bounty on that one alien and then Boss interferes, and that's how they both meet. And then also, too, one of the highlights of the book, when Boss is captured by Dooku, Ventress goes for help with Boba Fett and his gang of bounty hunters mm-hmm. that she teamed up with in the episode Bouncy, which was awesome. And then we saw that footage at Celebration with Boba Fett and all those bounty hunters fighting Dooku. I mean, reading that in the book, was able to kind of picture it visually from that footage was really cool, too. That might have been one of my favorite sequences of the whole book, that whole part where Dooku has to fight Boss and Ventress, and then he actually takes them both out. It made me really appreciate more Dooku as a lightsaber fighter, but at the same time made me really appreciate Anakin more in that whole fight sequence in Revenge of the Sith that shows mm-hmm. how powerful he is and more skilled he is as a Jedi. Because Ventress, we know, is a skilled fighter, and I'm sure Moss is too, even though we haven't seen too much of him. But the fact that they both of them couldn't take Dooku, and then Anakin could at Revenge of the Sith, just kind of elevated his level as a Jedi to me, so that was cool. But Yeah, well, was, I mean, to yeah. be fair, Dooku does end up separating them in that fight where... Uh, you know, Ventress gets like kicked off a ledge and she's down on a lower level fighting battle droids while Voss is fighting Dooku by himself, which is, you know, kind of the same thing that he d- did with, um, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan in episode three and even in Attack of the Clones too, you know, he'll try to separate them and take one of them out of the fight. Um, but then, yeah, like you said, you know, he takes Obi-Wan out of the fight in episode three and he's just fighting Anakin one-on-one and Anakin's like, uh, hey, say bye-bye to your head. Yeah. <laughs> He did exactly. exactly as I told him. <laughs> and he listened. Yep. But I was just like, that was do it. Awesome. And then he was like, Zit. and then yeah. Dooku's head was like, bounce, 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 bounce. It was fun to watch. <laughs> fun to watch. I don't know for how much fun it was for audiences or who <laughs> maybe didn't want to see it behaving, but either way. Um, that was great, too. And then the whole thing, too, like you said, it out added more to the Jedi just, man, how out of touch they were with the Force and just how much they lost their way as being the Jedi they should be with the light side, the fact that they wanted to go the route of assassinating Dooku and how you know, Obi-Wan was the one who was kind of going against it, but everyone in the other, else in the council wanted to, so he 
went with it also. But then also at the end where Voss comes back and he's he's fooling everybody thinking that he's part of the light side and Ventress could see through it. Like, no, there's darkness inside of him. How can you all not see it? Like, she was shocked they couldn't see that he was still with the dark side. And then when it does finally get revealed that he is still the dark side and he wants to use Dooku to get to Palpatine and then the Jedi is all, oh, we have to execute him. You, if you bring him alive, we're going to have to execute him. It was like, Obi-Wan was shot. Like, really? Mm-hmm. This is what it's come down to? So in that aspect, too, it just makes you see the downfall that the Jedi had and then how it all comes to fruition in Revenge of the Sith, how they couldn't see it coming, that Palpatine was Sidious, and it led to their downfall. So, so much great stuff like that that just adds to the overall Star Wars story that I really enjoyed. If I had one nitpick about it, I thought it went on a little too long at the ending where we're still wondering, is Voss really good or is he still pretending to be good when he's still actually with the dark side. I just felt it took a little too long to resolve the fact that he's still trying to get Dooku to get to Sidious. So mm-hmm. that was one little nitpick, but by the time it all wraps up, like you said, with the emotional ending with Ventress dying and then just the last sequence with Boss and Obi-Wan taking her to Dathomir to lay, lay her to rest, like you said, for her to finally find that peace. So in the end, it all it worked out great where I enjoyed the book so much. It's definitely up there as one of the best new canon novels that's been released so far so yeah it's definitely a must read for a clone wars fan but just star wars and fans in general maybe if you're not a fan of the clone wars it might be hard to get into because the fact that we've been so established and connected with ventress from the beginning of the clone wars that really adds to the enjoyment of the book but it's still a good story that i think most Star Wars fans can enjoy so mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it's a, it's a it's a good story nonetheless but i definitely think um it's definitely the conclusion of Ventress's journey. Um, just like, you know, if you just watch Revenge of the Sith, it's a cool sci-fi movie with space battles and lightsaber duels and stuff. But really having seen episodes one and two before that, and even, you know, the original trilogy before that, and knowing sort of how this brings Darth Vader's story full circle, it just adds that much more to it. And it's the same thing here. Um, I mean, you can enjoy the book if you're just a Star Wars fan, but if you've followed the Clone Wars and seen all the ups and downs that Ventress is going, has gone through and, uh, you know, finally seeing her now to this point. Um, yeah, it's a, a great resolution of the story. So. Yep. Like you said, just thankfully we got it told. We now yes. have conclusion to that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I mean, while I didn't necessarily want to see the character get killed off at the same time, I'm kind of glad that this is, Um, definitely a more final and definite resolution than say like the Darth Maul son of Dathomir story arc um, where they said that was going to be, I I think they they said that was going to be like the conclusion of the resolution of Darth Maul's storyline. And it was another story arc, but he's still out there. Um, It was definitely the conclusion of mother tells in the storyline, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and it was definitely a conclusion to her story that was a good one. It wasn't yeah. something where you go, ah, they went that route, or uh, I don't know. After all we've been through, this is what happened. It was something that maybe, like you said, you could have saw coming, but at the same time, I thought it was a conclusion that the character would lead to, and it, at the end, fit that everything that she's been through through the Clone Wars. So yeah. I thought it was well, a good and, 
Yeah, and I, I'm not complaining that um, Son of Dathomir was a bad story or anything like that. I'm just saying it oh, no, wasn't yeah. really it wasn't really an ending, and and I'm glad that here it wasn't like, oh, okay, that was a good book, but where does Ventress go from here? Well, we know like she doesn't go anywhere from here, so I'm glad that you know it had that note of finality to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so great read. I'm glad we got to review that on here. Um, and like I said, Finally, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, hopefully next time, maybe I'll actually finish aftermath by our next episode and then we can uh, talk about that. Um, cause yeah, like I said, I, I've been playing some Xbox one, playing some old Republic and, uh, need to get back into, uh, reading that story. But, um, yeah, we'll continue to, to review some books and comics and stuff like that as we go along. Um, also, like I said, on our next episode, we will definitely be talking a lot more in depth about the Star Wars Rebels season premiere and uh, also uh, giving some impressions from that Star Wars Battlefront beta that's going to be coming out next week. Um, man, I, I just like almost got chills thinking about the fact that we get to play Star Wars Battlefront next <laughs> week. Um, I know. It's hard, it's hard to imagine. Can you imagine when we get to the December and we're like a week away for few days from the force awakens nope. it's all so close yeah i think I, I don't think i'll be able to stay still for that entire week yeah um <laughs> you know I'll, I'll be like eating breakfast just standing up walking around like pacing in my kitchen going like five more days 12 hours five more days 11 and a half hours we'll be counting the seconds by the time we get to that yeah day where we're so close Oh, man, it's going to be great. But we still got a little ways till we get to that point. Um, but, uh, yeah, anything else we got to wrap up with uh, before we finish out here? Um, yeah, just real quick, we got an email from Adrian from our, about our last episode. He said, uh, hey, guys, thanks for the best Force Friday recap podcast. Very entertaining. Seems like the stores either held back stock or short-shipped or under-ordered. Can't believe they didn't all have limits on duplicate toys to stop from selling Anyway, just wanted to say thanks for the podcast. You and your guest star were hilariously informative. Later, Adrian. Well, thanks, Adrian. Glad you enjoyed the episode. That one with Paul was definitely a fun one to record. <laughs> yes, it absolutely was. And we have so much yeah. fun chatting with Paul anyways. I was like, we need to get him on here as a, a guest star one of these days, and it's going to be a fun podcast. And it certainly was. So yeah. um, <laughs> I'm glad we could be hilariously informative for you. And then also, too, want to give a shout out to our friend and listener, Martin Almond, who created a really awesome YouTube video called The Star Wars Sog that puts together pretty much all the key moments from all six and even seven <laughs> from the trailers mm -hmm. we got. And it's just really thematically just flows really well because it tells the story of all the movies. It has sections where it has the good guys, bad guys, the fall of Darth Vader, and just a bunch of... Everything that makes Star Wars great is in that video. I actually got some chills while watching. It was like, man, this is what makes Star Wars so great. Such an awesome story and great characters. And Martin captured all that interview or that video. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, definitely check that out. We have a link on it on our Facebook page. We tweeted out the video also. So I, I think Star Wars fans should check it out. It will definitely get you hyped up for The Force Awakens. So, Martin, great job. I loved it. Yeah, that was definitely a uh, fantastic video and very well edited, like from a technical perspective as well. I mean, I'm a video editor myself, so it wasn't just like, oh, cool, Star Wars, something that another fan made, like, good job. It was like, wow, that was actually really impressive and well done. Um, I mean, I talked to him about it on Facebook and we were kind of 
getting into more more technical aspects of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've got a, a huge appreciation for that kind of um, level of talent and stuff. And I mean, like you were saying, Tim, I thought it was cool how it wasn't just put together in like chronological order or story or something like that. But um, I mean, he went a little bit different route and just sort of organized it by some different thematic elements. And I thought it was just a, a really cool organization of it and uh, just really well done overall. So yeah, check it out. Uh, awesome video. Yep. And then I guess the last thing would be, I didn't know this was a day, but apparently on uh, September 30th, um, it was a podcast day. <laughs> and we got some nice mentions on Twitter as far as being people's uh, podcasts that they enjoy to listen to. So uh, thanks for that. I mean, we got a, a shout out from Brian Bailey, one of our loyal listeners from the beginning. So we appreciate that. So thanks for everyone who included us in your podcast stage tweets. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, thanks to you guys for, for all the shout outs and stuff. Thanks for all of you who follow us on Facebook and Twitter and, uh, you know, share your, your reactions and, uh, conversations and stuff with us. Um, we love to keep connecting with you guys and hearing from you. So, um, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash star Wars. The saga continues. You can find us on Twitter at star Wars TSC, uh, you can check out our website at starwarstsc.com and you can send us an email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. So, we are so glad you could join us for episode 66. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. And Sith don't say may the force be with you. So, give in to your anger and join the dark side. Ha <laughs> ha!